in three, two, one, and we're live. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? What we've got here is failure to communicate 60% of the time it works every time that doesn't make sense everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it <laughs> I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul that's cute I remember when I had my first beer why so serious I am serious and don't call me sure What's up, everybody? It's Friday night. The Dads the Drink are back in your ear hole. We have a huge show for you tonight. My co-host, as always, came through and brought us a great guest. We're going to talk about the dark side of wrestling. We're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. And we're going to talk about Joe Exotic again. So, guys, sit back, strap in. It's going to be a show for you tonight. Here we go. So, Jeffro, I haven't seen you in a while. How you been doing? I'm doing great. And it's That's been, uh, I guess it's been since our last, no, we, we got to be on a, uh, Jeff Hunt's podcast. That's right. This week to do a sound check. Things That's are great. Right. No coronavirus here. I'm, uh, my thoughts and well wishes to any of those that are struggling right now and these very surreal, weird times, but all is good. How are you, bro? I am great. How's uh, being home, playing baseball with all the neighborhood kids again? Jeff, hey, how are you, man? Uh, um, a little lot earlier this week, but the weather, it's cold here. It's like freaking 45 degrees. Uh, I went on a walk, but uh, definitely got cabin fever from not being able to play in the neighborhood recently with the weather. <laughs> <laughs> you had to take the uh, spoke out of uh, the, the card out of your spokes on your bike. Actually, the neighbor actually put cards in the spokes of his bike after I said something. Never never mind. Never mind. So, guys, tonight we got a big show. The guest that we're going to bring on, his name's Nick Johnson, and he got his introduction to wrestling from his older brother, David, late one summer night when he showed him the big show versus Eddie Guerrero. He was instantly hooked. So, like every other kid who still believes in the magic, he signed up for wrestling in school. To his surprise, it was a completely different sport than what he thought he was signing up for but he was determined to learn what he could. Fast forward through a couple of state wrestling titles and an attempt at a collegiate career, he was introduced to some local wrestlers at a bar that he worked at. And that was the night that his life changed. He started training in Haltom City with Corey Gray and over the course of the three years where he worked with countless, extremely talented individuals, worked for countless Hall of Famers and helped build his own brand. He ended up teamed up with a young promoter trying to get his vision off the ground. And that is where he learned the cutthroat politics of this business. And now nine months removed from a sidelining injury and having his name stolen from him through bad contracts. He's here to tell us all about it. Guys, let's welcome Nick Johnson into the stream. Nick, how are you, buddy? How you guys doing? We are excellent. Good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So everything kind of going on. Everyone's at home now. Uh, everything has changed in the world. Um, we don't even have wrestling really as it was. I, I turned it on WWE tonight before the show 
and uh, it was um, an empty arena yep. and a bunch of wrestlers talking to each other on microphones, and it was one of the strangest things I think I've ever seen in my life. What do, what do you think about this? Strange. Yeah. Completely strange, like you said. I mean, this whole coronavirus uh, pandemic, I guess, that's going on, you know, thankfully, like Jeff said, coronavirus free over here, thankfully, but same thing, T's and P's going out to everybody that's dealing with this. But, uh, man, it's... It's insanity. We've got, you know, now two major promotions that are on television every week, both performing in front of empty arenas. And to to think that the this industry, which relies so heavily on our, our crowd involvement, without somebody there, you're really just two guys in your underwear throwing each other around, you know? Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it is an art form, and it's showing the talent of some of these performers that are out there able to do this, but it does put one hand tied behind your back from the get-go. But like you said tonight, we're Friday night SmackDown the night before WrestleMania, which is tomorrow, and here we are with an empty arena, and all they can do is just talk to try to hype this major event up. It's completely insane. So, so while we're on this subject, first of all, Nick, thanks for coming on. I know you and I know each other and uh, gotten to be good friends over the last year or so. Um, I think what happened was so. Uh, Eagles Point, we'll give him a plug. Uh, Nick works there. He's a He's a do-it-all cook, chef, bartender, whatever he needs to be. But uh, uh, shout out to them. That's my little hole-in-the-wall local hangout. And uh, I think what happened, I walked in, he was like, that guy is so cock-strong looking. He's sexy. I should be friends with him. And that's how he got to know me. Man, that's yeah. exactly yeah, how man, you got uh, to know real me. Real real. That's what they say, right? Real. <laughs> real. <laughs> no, but uh, getting back to kind of what D-Day said, do you think it's a McMahon thing with TV contracts and entertainment? Like, is it a, oh, the show must go on because I got to make my revenue. And it's, you know, this whole TV contract money. Is it, is it that you think, or is it something else? Uh, with Vince McMahon, he's always been notoriously hard to predict. Uh, that's, that's kind of where we get iffy here. I was actually having this conversation not too long ago with my roommate, who's uh, another former professional wrestler. And he, uh, he and I were talking and honestly, WWE has been no, very, very uh, notorious, I guess, for uh, pulling pulling things out of their, their hat whenever their back is against a wall, whenever they face adversity. adversity. Things uh, usually tend to be better for them in that case. And so whenever people said, hey, NCAA tournament's canceled, hey, the Olympics are getting postponed, all these things are happening in sports, but you should probably cancel WrestleMania, right? You know, he doubled down. He said, I'm going to make WrestleMania two nights. We're going to do it in front of a lot, you know, no crowd in multiple locations. And that's happening this weekend, which I'm very excited to see. But there is the question whether or not you should sacrifice money for the safety and well-being of your performers, as well as your, uh, you know, your fans and your employees outside of the the men that sacrifice their bodies inside the ring. And that's, that's definitely where you got you to gotta take a step back and wonder, is it all worth it? What if we waited right. for the summer and do it instead and have a much bigger, better show and everything's good when you wait for it, right? So it's kind of a catch-22, but you're right. With television contracts and whatnot, it it does make it iffy. But you got to think with WWE, they put their own pay-per-views on their own network. So they're the yeah, only network that has they have to deal with. It's up to them whether or not they want to continue doing the show. So... It definitely it's a it's a strange time we live in for sure. But I'm I'm honestly excited to watch and see what they're able to do. Uh, as far as I know, it's already been pre-taped both nights uh, and uh, for the most part. So it'll be uh, some really cool cinematic 
wrestling like we've never seen before that I'm, I'm very excited to see. So uh, go ahead, Dustin. So my question to you, when you say it's kind of a double-edged sword, do we go for the money? Do we make them wait? What do we do? I think a couple things there. One, I think when you say we, there's some really good wrestlers, like putting it out there still in front of, you know, no audience, anything like that. Uh, and then you look at <clears throat> some of the wrestlers that it really shows that they're not that great of wrestlers. Exactly. I mean, you get the exact opposite of it. So I think it's good and it's bad because you take that element out that shows who really is, who's really around and who's going to stay around. I look at like, you know, I saw him tonight, The Miz, and, you know, he started on the real world on MTV, and now he's a huge name in, in the WWE. Started four or five movies. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's the whole thing is that when they do this, I think that it will always be for money. Now, what's weird about this, though, this year is I was looking into WrestleMania, and it's actually they're going to give it away for free this year. You can still get it on pay-per-view, but if you order the WWE channel, they give you one month free and WrestleMania free. So, so yeah, that's actually a uh, that's a trend that they've been doing for the past, I'd say four or five years now. Ever since the whole network took off, you uh, they've been doing the one month free trial, and especially around the big pay per views, they'll promote that that it's included in the free trial. But what I really think is cool that they did do is through the whole pandemic, they opened up a portion of the the vault within the network, so you can go back and watch any old WrestleMania or any old you know world-class championship wrestling match from the sportatorium down in Dallas for free. Normally you'd have to pay for the network to get that, but right. they're doing that. But as far as the WrestleMania thing, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's just a great marketing ploy to try to get eyes on the product. You have people that'll sign up for that free trial and 90% of them forget that they're paying for it a month later and then you get their 10 bucks. Right. But, uh, no, it's, it is that, but they've also been in discussions I've heard with, uh, you know, multiple different sources like ESPN with trying to get WrestleMania back on a $59, you know, build pay-per-view that like they used to do back in the day, because ever since they've had this network, you can pay $10 a month and get all 42 pay-per-views they do a year. I've lost track at this point. There's so many, but then you count the Saudi Arabia shows, which is a whole nother, whole nother discussion on money grabbing, but yeah, it's uh. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Nick, not to cut you off. Uh, you kind of said some things, but from your point of view now, you, I don't know if people know your background. You, you, you've arrested, hey, you were supposed to arrest Chris Jericho, what, like a month, a month and a half ago in Austin, and that kind of plots change and things change. But, and you can speak to that in a second. But as a guy who is trying up and coming and you've been in the ring, how big a role does the crowd feed into the match for those guys and their adrenaline in having that, you know, actually they're the third person in the match because they're so involved in it, they feed off each other. So is it not probably surreal for these wrestlers to manufacture this adrenaline and compassion? Not that they don't do it, they're professionals, but doesn't that play a, a role in it? That plays everything. In fact, uh, you you would know this also. It's the same as being on a football field. That's the beauty of live sports. And while wrestling, yes, it's sports entertainment per se. I mean, it's highly athletic and it's still a, a live sport in front of a live audience. And having that that instant feedback, that instant gratification, that is 100% everything. Uh, whenever you come out there, you know, and you don't know if something's going to work or not, being able to hear the crowd audibly either boo you, cheer you, doesn't matter. That helps. 
the worst thing that can happen to you in a wrestling ring, even when the crowd is there, is silence. So imagine being able to hear the other person breathe. Imagine being able to hear yourself breathe as you're trying to throw your body off a 30-foot ladder, which some guys are going to be doing tomorrow. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, so having something that is so death-defying or crazy that you're planning to do for a big match at a WrestleMania and not having anybody there and you just hear your, your heartbeat as you're falling and I don't know. That's it takes a it takes a whole other breed, but at the same time, it takes a whole other breed just to get into to the ring and do what we Absolutely. do. So. so I wonder. So Dustin, you said one was on. I don't. I don't know if it's. I haven't seen it. But do they put like fake crowd noise in or play music while they're? Oh no, it's, it's ear, eerily silent. Very really. Very silent. Yeah, but that also is another thing because we we call a lot of our matches in the ring as we go most of the time, especially if you have good chemistry with somebody. You might plan the last 30 seconds of a match, but the rest of it, you're. I have you in a chin lock, and I'm whispering, you know, shoot off the ropes, duck, drop kick. And that plans out the next 30 seconds of spots for us, and we go from there. So you take out that crowd noise, and all of a sudden, right. you're on live TV. It becomes so a lot it's harder. Real, to yeah, it's really rehearsed and, and really choreographed, if you will, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, it, when I introduced you, you said that it's – it's not necessarily over because you were supposed to wrestle a little while ago. Yes, definitely not over. I'm a, I'm, I'm still young. I turn 24 next Saturday. Actually, quick little birthday plug. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I did this. Uh, at, like we stated in high school, I, I fell in love with wrestling at a very young age, and I watched it growing up religiously. Uh, I, I am young, but I've gone back as soon as I fell in love with it. I started walking to the public library and reading old DVDs and watching Hogan and Savage and even further back watching, you know, for some reason, the Saginaw Public Library had DVDs of the Von Erichs and World Class Championship Wrestling. And I got to watch all of that and learn and just study. And that's where it just grew and grew and grew. And then thankfully, YouTube came around and that was a whole nother world for me. And I was able to watch anything and everything. And I just fell in love with Japanese wrestling and this and that and wrestled in high school and I was able, you know, thankfully able to win a few state championships and wrestle for a little while until I got hurt in high school. And I learned how to deal with that and injuries. And so fast forward through the, the wrestling career, when I get to getting injured last year, it became a lot easier to deal with. But at the same time that the politics of the business ended up hurting me a lot more than the physical of it and the uh, the emotions that go with it because you really do fall in love with this just like you know you fall in love with football or you fall in love with podcasting or whatever it may be that you fall in love with if something becomes your passion and you devote every second of your life to it and it gets taken from you at any moment it's tough but that hunger never goes away and so uh i definitely will be back i'm working on getting back as soon as possible but uh so, it, so it, let me let me ask jeff on jeff Hunt's what other guys you won state championships. Where did you wrestle? What classification? What was your weight class? Boswell High School, uh, sophomore year. I won state championships. I took my hometown. Well, uh, where I live now. One, one, uh, my sophomore year at one fifty-two, and then one forty-eight my senior year. So you were state champ, a sophomore and a senior. Yeah. Junior year is whenever I uh, had my first setback with injuries, uh, torn hamstring. But and then I uh, went on. I had I was going to Tech. I was planning to wrestle there, but. Reckham Tech means a whole other thing up there, and I definitely you mean Texas Tech, tech right? Yes, yes, definitely Reckham. A lot of people tech. that aren't in Texas Tech, it's it could be Vautech or definitely, you know people yeah, live in Ohio, the Ohio loser people, but whatever. Yeah, I I was there for 
about a cup of coffee before I realized that I uh, was not mature enough to to handle college on my own. So that's when I came back and was bartending. <laughs> and uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. But I never would have been able to get into a wrestling ring if I wouldn't have made the mistakes that I made earlier in my life and ended up being able to follow my childhood dream later on. So I, so, I will- so Nick, um, what what so can you talk about what you wrestle under? Uh, what you're permitted to talk about if in yeah. what you're comfortable with talking about and in kind of your experience and kind of what different um different uh i think you said you went over you went somewhere else out of the country and wrestled somewhere i, I believe so can you speak to that and just your experiences a little bit more definitely yeah yeah so uh whenever i was 19 i came home from tech i uh got a job bartending and i met a couple of local independent wrestlers uh by the name of chandler hopkins and malico they would just gotten done with the show and started overhearing them and talking to them and i was like man you guys are actually like doing this is is that popular around here and they're like man there's six companies like what are you doing tomorrow I'll come out to a show i was like all right so bought a ticket to go down to dfw all pro in haltom city uh it's over at the uh, the va over on carson street very small venues 20 people max but fantastic people they put on great shows every week and uh so i went out there and realized this is this is doable and so just started kind of getting my name out there and meeting people and seeing what i could do and was able to get into a ring and start training with with a few folks and then i met uh i met somebody uh who was looking to start up his own his own company but he had a different vision he wasn't just an independent promoter he wanted to create basically like a film style of wrestling. He wanted to overly produce it, but not in a bad way and just do it different. And it was very exciting, but he needed some help. And he and I got along very well. We clicked from the get go and started building this company. It was called the EWA. It's a, it's a local company. And uh, he and I started doing it and we, we built that for a couple of years. We had a few people come and go and then uh, it got to that point where the, the stress got, got to us. We, uh, had a deal with a major production company that fell through due to uh, I thought we were ready, but he didn't think we were ready and he didn't want to put something out if it wasn't ready. And just as soon as I got injured, he saw that as an opportunity to, Hey, well, you can't perform. So I guess you're out. I'm ready to film now. You're not. So conveniently he was ready and I wasn't in the contract that I choose to choose to not read because I thought we were friends. Uh, not only did it uh, say that he could fire me for any reason, but he owned any gimmick that I came up with under him. And I worked for him from the day I stepped between a That's pair of ropes. That's nasty right there, man. That's the nasty. Stepped, the day I stepped into a ring until uh, the day I got injured, I was working for him. So everything I ever did, he owned. But wow. uh, well, so it, it's all good. I do have, I mean, this wasn't a, a dream that was born the day I met him. It's something I planned whenever I was a child and I was wrestling pillows in my bedroom, you know, my mom banging on my door for, you know, throwing myself into the walls. I've got, I've got plenty of ideas. I've never gave him my best and uh, the best is yet to come. That's for sure. So the politics are very real as uh, you guys, uh, Jeff was telling me, you guys have been watching some of the dark side of the ring you know, Absolutely. Podcast, uh, documentaries and yeah. a ton of other great wrestling documentaries that are out there. All of this stuff is real. And this business is way more cutthroat than anyone would ever realize or think to believe. Let me ask you a question. Cause when you, when you mentioned that wrestling company, um, now I've looked around and is it the same as AEW? 
It, the one it is that, not okay so That's go into that a little too. bit to me is so you have the one that you were part of you have the the aew um is it people trying ewa yeah. uh yeah. yeah so is it people just just like kind of just jumping Find on each new. other or to be fair the uh the we had been calling ourselves the ewa for about a year before aew was ever announced to be a company it's a fairly new company but uh we both had the word elite in our name and uh one was owned by the son of the owner of the jacksonville jaguars and the son of dusty Rhodes, and the other one was owned by two guys in fort worth texas so at the end of the day the one was gonna blow up one wasn't and i still wish the best of luck to them they're still trying it but uh it's there's good business and there's bad business and we all we all live and we learn and like i said best of luck to them i've learned from my mistakes but i will not make them again and i'm going to make the most of them that's for sure well so here here's my point about that was i've watched that because you can watch a lot of that AEW stuff on on youtube you can watch it i think the problem backstage with them a month ago i i but i think the problem with that company okay is that uh they're bringing in a lot of people that that are um i think they're past their prime if you look at like they brought in scott steiner yeah he doesn't look like scott steiner of wwf of wcw he doesn't he doesn't look like that guy anymore he tries to carry that persona off he still wears the same thing but he's not big papa pump anymore and uh i i think that too much shonies I I think that I think that with that kind of stuff, if you I think if they introduce too many people like that, they're going to start losing an, a, a crowd. See, and that's a terrible trend that's been happening for a, a while now. Honestly, uh, the the wrestling industry as a whole is constantly, especially in WWE. You look right now. You know, the main event of WrestleMania tomorrow night. Uh, well, there's it's two nights. They have two world championships. One of the world champions is Bill Goldberg. He's been uh, around for longer than I've been alive. And uh, then the other one is Brock Lesnar, which Brock Lesnar deserves to be in any main event. doesn't matter what card he's on. But uh, when you have Bill Bill Goldberg holding your world title in 2020, when you have a plethora of phenomenal athletes that are under your contract that are fighting for TV time, what does that say about you? And then you look at these other companies that are smaller and trying to start up, and they have to rely on the likes of a Scott Steiner or, uh, you know, somebody like that, or Chris Jericho, even you bring in a big name that can still go to get views on your product. That's a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it's what are we, if we don't build our future, you know, that we can't, we can only hang on to the past for so long because eventually that's what it becomes is the past and it's not there anymore. And I think so eventually it hurts you. Stars. I think eventually, I think eventually it hurts you when you try 100%. and hang on, when you try and hang on to it too much and you try and bring, because to me, what it looks like is a gimmick. It, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't remind me of, Hey, these were great times that it reminds me of a gimmick. Like, Hey, this is the biggest name we could get. You all Greatest remember. And, and so I, I, that's where I have a, a problem with that kind of stuff. There's no problem with bringing back. I mean, hell stone cold. Right. Stone Cold just came back to WWE on 316. We love to see him. Absolutely, but but yeah. you bring him in and beat uh, in pieces. You don't because I think the way that they're trying to do it is they're bringing them in and they're making them the star or trying to make them the star, and it just doesn't work. Yep, a hundred percent. Because 
yeah, they, they might've been the star 20 years ago. Absolutely. But here I am, you know, 24 years old and I'm, I'm one of the few that did make this, you know, my, my entire life that I breathe and I know it all, but you know, other people my age. Yeah, no, I've heard of, I've heard of Goldberg. I know Stone Cold. They were around when I was a kid, but you know, they, they definitely know, oh yeah. What's that girl, that Snoop Dogg's cousin, or that Roman guy that's on TV every day, you know, which that right. brings, you know, going back to an earlier topic, Goldberg is supposed to be fighting Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns just beat leukemia a year ago. So he's had to pull out. Yeah. Because of coronavirus. Absolutely. It goes back to, is your, your, your company and your, your star safety better, you know, worth the money, but that's all it is, is a constant money ploy. And, uh, You've seen that also with the Saudi Arabia deals that they've been doing. I don't know if, how much y'all keep up with the WWE, but over the past uh, three years now, they've had a, a deal in place doing at least two, if not three shows a year live from Saudi Arabia. And they're making more than their TV deals are paying them over the course of the entire contract per show. And uh, they're just bringing out all sorts of old, old wrestlers, Hogan, Flair, The Undertaker, guys that just, it ruins the mystique when you see them out there with their twice replaced hip falling over and not able yeah. to do what you remember them doing. And is, uh, it a, is that a money grab for both the wrestler to kind of like a retire and, and the promoter or the uh, wrestling brand, or is it just, is it go both ways or is it one-sided? Technically? I mean, yes, but you also have to think about it this way, you know, Jeff, if, if Baylor called today and they were like, Hey, we're doing a uh, all-time team. We want you to come play quarterback for a billion dollars in Saudi Arabia. You do it. Fuck yeah. A billion dollars. Now my fat but not making a billion, per se, down, you know, but I can I know that at least Goldberg for his one match he did in Saudi Arabia, it was reported. He was getting a hundred million dollars. What? One, for match. one match. 30 seconds. Like the See, old Mike and, Tyson. I and, forgot how he used to calculate like Tyson's Tyson Fury. Tyson he Fury. He'd knock him out in like 30 seconds and he'd make, you know, 20 million. Like champion of the world, Tyson Fury. He wrestled in Saudi Arabia uh, for WWE last October. And his dad said that he made enough for in the WWE to never fight again. Didn't even need the Wilder fight. Wow. It, we have someone posting, um, Nick, that sometimes I think they throw in old school guys to get the guys our age to pay the money to see their old heroes. The 30 and 40 year old somethings have the money. It's a money grab for sure. And oh, I tend they're, they're to 100% agree. right. I mean, if you're scrolling through the TV channels, it's, this is what AEW is doing, which I think they're doing a much better job at building young stars. They, they are not affiliated with WWE. They've had to get people like. Sammy Guevara, he's one of their top stars. Uh, I was trying to get him on tonight, but unfortunately he's got other other commitments going on. But he uh, is from Katy, Texas, you know, grew up out here. He's only a couple years older than me, and he was on the main event on Wednesday night. He wrestled uh, against Kenny Omega, who's considered the greatest wrestler in the world for a title last week, and he's Chris Jericho's protege. And this company's been around for a few months. They, they're building new stars, but at the same time, Chris Jericho was their first world champion. Because right. with a new company or any company, if you're scrolling through the television set and you see Chris Jericho there, yep. you know, you're going to stop and you're going to, you're going to watch, or you see, you know, a stone cold there, you see, you know, the Hulk Hogan, you're going to be like, Oh, Hey, what's Hogan doing? It's, you know, and you're going to stop and you're at least going to watch that segment and you're more likely to stick around and see the new guys. There is a, yeah. a method to the madness, but the, the issue of oversaturation definitely is a, uh, 
a problem and the line is too thin to get watched sometimes by some people but so, so speaking of what the facebook user just uh, i forgot who it was that posted that i'm an old school guy so i grew up uh you know the 80s uh the von erics were like you know they are from denison texas just up the road oh yeah i mean you know the dark side of the ring it, it was sad because you knew what their family went through but the von erics i saw hacksaw jim duggan the one-man gang kamala um gino Hernandez. I, had, I mean, I went AYD. to a lot of matches. Yeah, I went to rodeo arenas and little bitty civic centers and just these places. Uh, and I loved it. And it was so real and it was so cool. I think that was actually ACCW, like American Championship. Wait, w- anyway, it doesn't matter. WCCW, maybe. Um, but regardless, man, I love watching the dark side of the ring. It's so nostalgic to me. And that's really almost where the transition between the old school wrestling and then you know when when the what was it the uh, montreal screwjob kind of happened and the evil mr mcmahon happened it almost was like that was a transition from old school to new school and it changed everything for the foreseeable future from those points and i love seeing the transitions i love seeing how you know uh, they wanted to go back you know actually the screwjob supposedly by who was it connor the guy who always carried the racket the promoter it was ringside. Oh, uh, he was Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette was saying, "Hey, the Screwjob came from the 1930s when so and so did this to so and so." I thought that was super cool, but um, it's interesting because I think the older guys made it so real. You know, you had people cutting themselves early. You know, there was a lot of that. Yeah. It, you know, it was real when you saw it, and. Uh, it's kind of insane, you know, seeing the stories. But uh, what is your take from the Dark Side of the Ring and kind of in the position you're in, um, how you see it from a wrestler's perspective and, a, and maybe a fan's perspective, and how different is it for both? Man, so the Dark Side of the Ring is, fan- first off, for all the viewers, fantastic uh, product. It's made by Vice. Uh, you should all definitely watch it. They're on their second season now, I believe, uh, we were just watching the the new episode the other, earlier today, actually. But uh, Nick, it, if it I can really... if I can stop you right there, real quick. Oh, yeah. uh, that what's great about that series is Vice for last season for the series finale, which was Chris Benoit and the story about that was a part one and part two. YouTube has both of those for free to watch the whole way through. You don't have to do anything on Vice. You can just go oh, see both I the Ben. Yeah, so you can you can watch both parts of the Chris Benoit story. Uh, and I thought that was great. Now you can't get any of the other ones, but it, it's it's Which, a good ben way Wall to bring story, you in. That Benoit story is uh, unbelievable. Crazy, unbelievable. crazy. Yeah, I uh, Let's just go through, right? My first match I ever saw was a. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and the Big Show. Eddie Guerrero is my inspiration. He's, you know, always, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. Really? I never forget the day that he died. I, I had to stay home from school that day. It was tragic. Was such a and so, uh, what, having to, you know, rewatch that in the first episode where they went real deep into his death, that was definitely real tough. And, you know, I always loved Benoit too. And that was, that's kind of my style, especially with the amateur wrestling background. I always loved the, the grapplers and the technicians and the submissions and, you know, that kind of thing. And so, I traditionally worked as a what we call a heel or the bad guy. Uh, I'm out there to to make your heroes look as good as I can, but I'll get my licks in when I get them. And uh, but I, I always love to wear them down and to break down the high flyers. And oh, that was what Benoit did and what Eddie did. But whenever they needed to do it, they would turn it on, and they just held you in the palm of their hand. 
but when you live that life and you have that that character that you live 24 7 it's very hard to not let it take control and especially as you start getting older and your body starts breaking down uh i mean i'm 24 and i live with a lot of pain already i've had you know a handful of concussions clearly broken my nose a few times you know had, had stitches i've done it all but it's for the love of what we do and i i i it's hard to watch, but I definitely think CTE did have a lot with the, the Benoit thing. I wish they would have dove a little bit more into that, into the, the Vice documentary of it. Uh, but it was, I mean, drugs didn't help, but it, I think all that head trauma definitely had a lot to do with it. And that's yeah. a real thing because, you know, we're willingly giving our bodies to another person to drop us on our head, to throw us around, to hit us with that chair, you know, to throw me on those thumbtacks. And, so let me, Nick, this is the big thing. And I think this is the big question that's on everyone's mind. And I know you've heard it because you've been a wrestling fan your whole life. What do, what does everyone say about wrestling? You watch that shit. It's fake, man. There you go. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. On nope, the podcast, you can, but, you can say whatever you want. Okay, so cool, cool. here's the thing. Everyone says it's fake. I agree that it is a scripted story to a point. It's a, uh, I don't want to use the word soap opera, but it's a scripted show to a point. When you fall 32 feet, and speaking of that, Shane McMahon just celebrated the four-year anniversary where he went 32 feet off the cage into a table. In Dallas, Texas. Absolutely. Uh, that's not fake. You can't no. fake falling 32 feet into a table. Now, there might be safety precautions put in there and stuff to make sure you're not completely, but... It's not fake. And so can you speak to us about how you kind of get around that? Uh, how, because it's a stigma. And, oh, yeah. and I think people walk away going, well, they're not really athletes. They're not this. And it's, it's completely oh, yeah. untrue. Well, it couldn't be further from the truth. And I know Jeff and I have had this conversation a handful of times. And, you know, I'll tell you exactly what I, what I tell most people, you know, they, Oh, you know, rest, wrestling's fake, but so so is the Avengers. So is that, you know, that TV show that you watch. We watch these things for entertainment. And yes, sure, we it might be might be predetermined. It might be, uh, you know, fixed per se. We know who's going to win, but I would rather watch wrestling where I know that they know what they're doing and people are going to be okay at the end of the day than some of these UFC fights where I see people's face get turned to ground beef and they, you know, can never fight again. Granted, that's also just as entertaining for its own reasons. But with, with professional wrestling, the, the beauty of it is that you get a little bit of everything. Wrestling, it can be for everyone. It doesn't matter your age, race, color, sex, religion, doesn't matter. You will find somebody there in your in that world that you can at least relate to a little bit or you can root for. And uh, so whether it's, you know, you you think that The Undertaker, who's a, a wizard, you know, mortician that, you know, is able to bury people alive. That's cool, you know, and even though you're not going to encounter that in the world and that's not a fight that's going to happen, you get to watch this man who has a match this weekend 40 years of his career, it's the oldest storytelling, uh, you know, source, I guess, or not source, but uh, sorry. Anyways, it's like one of the oldest forms of storytelling. That's what I meant to say. And uh, you can you can go all the way back, doesn't matter when, and you can find somebody that's still going today and you can look at where they were then and where they are now and how they got there. And you get that full individual story that some novelist can't even write about one character. 
and then you are able to watch that unfold or even if you just pick it up today and you get to see these people you get to watch them from the day you met them until the day you stop and that combined with the high athleticism the combat that comes with it makes for an the ultimate form of entertainment in my opinion and when it comes to being quote unquote fake you can't fake getting dropped on your head you can't fake you know even a suplex yeah we we train we learn how to fall but i can promise you that hurt worse than anything that is happening on a you know a baseball field probably not to not to call out baseball players but getting just taking a bump a simple bump of you know somebody punching you and you drop into your back we have to do that thousands of times before we do that in front of a crowd and it will leave you battered and bruised and we'll do it till we puke, but you have to toughen up your body and you train it just like with any other, any other sport. It takes hours and hours of training. And well, I also think- too, Nick, right? Like you, it takes trusting your person, their, their move, their finishing move is going to protect you and not hurt you, which can be a very, Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was about. A very mentally uh, that like, hey, dude, you're just about to supposedly crap me on my head, but um, let's not do that. You know, I think it takes almost Trust. more skill for me to kick you and have my foot touch your face and me not knock you out than it does for me to kick you and my foot touch my, your face and it does knock you out. Right. You know, to be able to pull that at the last second to not Rich, actually. By the way, you. dude, you tried that move on me. Well, that was after a long night of drinking. You, you we, uh, got close to my face. I'm like, what are you doing? Dad, you drink. But yeah, no, you like I said, I was like, just don't move and trust me. I promise I won't hurt you. I'll, I'll put I'll, my, my soul might kiss your cheek, but it, it won't it won't be more than a, uh, you know, like a gnat landing on you. I can that takes it. that takes months and months and years of trading. I, just, I still am nowhere near where I want to be. I probably never will be. But I hope one day I can turn this into into something, you know, and be able to fulfill that childhood dream. Well, with with me promoting you, you get there. But uh, here's what I would like. So stupid. Here's what I would like to kind of talk about is they talked about this in the dark side of the ring. And you used to have and and you're you know, you're not a huge guy. What are you like? Six, one or two, like one eighty five. Six, three, two oh five is what I'm built at. Why are you you trying to short him, Jeff? Yeah. Come on, Jeff. Why are you trying to short him? He's a guest. Fucking treat him with some respect, man. My bad. God. He, he weighs two. Nick, uh, Nick I apologize, man. Hurt. It look. You threw uh, what? Fifteen interceptions. You. Oh, uh, see, hey, 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 I didn't talk about your performances. <laughs> you just need to call me a fat ass. Wow. <laughs> but, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, basically, I was wanting to kind of t- talk about. It, it seems like a lot of the main headline guys are big physical guys. Well, when you look at, like they talk about, like a Chris Jericho or Shawn Michaels, someone like a you, you know, it was hard if you weren't that big, if you were a six foot, five, nine, but you're a buff. And the athleticism in how I think now, yeah, there's some big guys out there, but you see these guys that are, you know, they're not just six, seven, 300, like Hogan or Andre the Giant, or speak to that and how has there, has there been a change in accepting your headliners or your 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 belt holders can be someone that's not this physical imposing statue of a man and is is that going to change at all well, see, that that change actually kind of started to happen in the the mid to late 90s whenever Vince had his first steroid scandal 
And uh, that's whenever you started seeing the rise of the likes of uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, these smaller technical guys that were more believable everyman type wrestlers to an extent. And uh, once that happened, people realized these these little guys, they, they can do more. They can bump more. They can, you know, actually tell a compelling story. Granted, not saying that Hogan and Andre is not a compelling story, but without Andre, what would Hogan have been? Just unstoppable superman you know without without the joker what is batman without like sluger what is superman you got to have somebody for somebody to chase and undertaker lesnar right exactly yeah even there it's easier whenever the villain is much larger it's david and goliath that's that's the easiest story to tell and so uh you've always seen the trend of having smaller guys in the industry but over the past 25 years or so you've seen it become more and more and more and now if you turn on WWE or AEW on any given night of the week, you're going to be seeing more guys that are maybe 30 pounds more than you that look like they just eat right and run a little bit more, you know, and right. they're out there doing crazy things. And in fact, you'll probably see some guys that are in worse shape than you that are out there still doing crazy things right? because it's the, the, the stigma of having to be, you know, Adonis to become a professional wrestler is just out the window. Granted, it helps but it's become more few and far in between. And that's no longer the norm. Nowadays, it's much more the the nerdy kid in high school that no one talked to that put on, you know, 30 pounds of muscle and learned his craft as opposed to, you know, the, the division one football player that changed sports. So Nick, you know, in speaking to that, when you bring up the stone colds and, and all that, to me, that was when I was in the military uh, when he came out. So we'll, we'll say what late, late nineties, 90, 96, 97, when they, when it really started kind of catching on that to me is the best wrestling of all time. I think that's what really made it a worldwide name. And I I mean, because when I was in the military, everybody watched it. I mean, that was a, that was a thing. And, and back then you could do pretty much Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there was some kind of wrestling on, whether that be WWE, because you had Monday Night Raw, you had Thursday Night SmackDown, you had WCW Nitro, you had, I mean, there was, you almost, you almost couldn't go a night without wrestling, along with all the video games that were being released, and that really brought it forward. What's interesting to me about that, making it as popular as it was, how many of those wrestlers do you know anymore? Honestly, most of them, most people uh, would, would know most of them. Me personally, you know, uh, I, I am, I, I do know Booker T. I have a decent rapport with him. Uh, you know, I, I met Stone Cold in an airport one time. He told me never to stop running my mouth. So I've taken that to heart. But, uh, uh, you know, just here and there, it's not, it, it's longevity and history is, is one thing and nostalgia is another thing. But like you said, your your opinion, the the best period of wrestling of all time was that 96 to 2000 range. And I'm not going to say that you're wrong. In fact, most of the world would agree with you. But uh, I was born in 96. So I had to go back and watch all of that. And while you're turning out television, when you're going back and watching that, you can also see all the, uh, the not so great. And uh, I mean, I do think up until this point in time, that probably is the greatest generation of wrestling. But we are in a renaissance right now of wrestling. It is amazing right now with what you see in Japan, what you see with AEW. Uh, there's there's real competition back. WWE has had to step their game up. 
Uh, I feel like that might be another reason why they feel like they need to put this show on this weekend. But there's there's just so much out there. Good, accessible wrestling. It doesn't matter what night of the week, like you said. It's like that again, Monday through Sunday. There's wrestling on TV or on YouTube. Uh, in DFW alone, there is six companies that you could go to any weekend, pay 20 bucks, and have the time of your life. Uh, and that's just small companies, you know, where you'll sit there with 20 people and you can have a conversation with the wrestler while they're in the ring. But then you put that on the large scale of these, there's, you know, 10, 15 companies out there selling out 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 seat arenas. And people that are tuning in on TV, they're putting up, you know, numbers that are competing with, you know, Law and Order and The Simpsons and these shows that have been on forever for a reason. they haven't missed a week since the early nineties. You know, you got to take that into right. account. It's, it's Speaking not- of personal anecdote. So can you, can you share with us a story of when you're wrestling and you got into it with a heckler and how was that experience? Well, yeah, no, there was a, there was definitely one match where uh, <laughs> it comes to mind where I had the, this one heckler on the front row. They were everywhere. In fact, there's this whole club in DFW that uh, called themselves the heckler club, but uh they uh, they're, they're good people, but they're funny. They, they make fun of us, yeah. But uh, had a had a dude in a, in a headlock, which is normally a rest move. Let us kind of catch our breath and plan out the next little bit. And the heck was, you know, shouting out how I can't wrestle and to get a real job. And so I'm like, all right, get a real job. Well, you know, look around you. I see about five t-shirts out here right now. All right, those all went into my pocket. Uh, then you add in my booking fee, and then this is how much I made this year. And you have a guy in a headlock, and you're telling him this, right? I'm holding, yeah, I'm holding my opponent here, and he's laughing in my armpit the whole time. And I'm sitting here, and I'm talking for – it went on for about five minutes that uh, I'm just waiting, waiting on my opponent to start fighting out so we can move on to the next spot. But he he was going to make me keep going. So I just sitting there with that, talking to that heckler, telling him uh, about how much money I made that year, <laughs> much more than him. And that was that was a fun one, but – and I think the best night of my career was when I made a kid cry. But uh, <laughs> I love that. that hey, a... tell us some of the coolest. Okay, how about this? Let's get into it, man. Uh, by the way, what are you drinking tonight, there, Nick? Uh, I'm drinking on a little Captain Morgan. I'm actually getting a little low. I might have to re up soon. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but so I kind of want to get into uh, who are some you know name drop or not. What are some of the coolest places you wrestled? Or venues, and also, um, who are some of the cooler wrestlers that you got to know? And can you tell us any great stories from your experiences that uh, you can leave names out that are just wild? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I've I've seen it all. I feel like, and I've done it all, and I've gotten to rub elbows with a lot of really cool people. But uh, some some crazy things, anywhere from ranging from stapling a clown's head together in the garage of a uh, you know filmmaker to, uh, you know, pulling thumbtacks out of people's back until 3 Uh, a.m. There's been all sorts of things. As far as, like, a favorite venue, uh, I mean, I love being in in DFW anytime I can. Uh, Grapevine is a great, great spot. But uh, Reality of Wrestling down in Houston is a a fantastic company. Wrestle Circus in Austin. Uh, As far as out of Texas, uh, Arena Mexico is one of the craziest, craziest – atmospheres that you could think of for a wrestling venue uh you know obviously whenever you think about tokyo and japan and all that my dream is to wrestle in the tokyo dome i've actually had dreams about doing that um you know never say never hopefully we'll get there but 
uh, personal antidotes. Tune in Tokyo. Kind of yeah, drawn a little blank here now. I don't know, but uh, it all just it's it's just as surreal as you would think it would be, uh, and just between breaking up fights and fake fights and uh, just seeing all these wacky characters, you got to think these are these are grown men that that put on put on tights and oil themselves up and, and yeah. roll around. And so that the, there's a lot of stuff that happens backstage that I, I can't repeat, no matter how oh. oh. podcast would be. <laughs> it, it gets it. There's some wild things. I mean, uh, people, the, the pranks that get pulled and uh, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm a <laughs> keep it PG, but yeah. Right. So, so let me ask you too, Nick, uh, how do you, and, and you can express this however you want, but um, are drugs or, or, or uh, enhancement drugs, are they still in, in the, in the business or is it cleaned up some uh, I mean, just like with any other business, any other sport, anything like that, it, it is there. Um, especially wrestling, smaller indie circuits. I mean, I've been, I've been offered cocaine. I've been offered all sorts of things backstage. And I'm like, man, six people out there. What do you need that for? Like, <laughs> you need to get that high Nick, that's exactly out. how I feel about this show. There's like awesome. two people watching. Hey, well, I'm happy to have all y'all. You know, this is my first podcast, so we're happy to have you, man. This is great. Um, let let me let me go into it, Nick. You you you've talked about injuries. We've talked about enhancing drugs and stuff, and and steroids. We know that it's. I mean, we we would be foolish to say that it doesn't happen in every yeah. single major sport. Um, and and cheating. Now, there may be not that much cheating in wrestling. Uh, I. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but here's the thing. Let's go down a list of your injuries that you've had over your wrestling career. Okay. Uh, so the first time I was ever actually injured, I tore my hamstring in high school, uh, sidelined me for, it was supposed to be nine months. I ended up being back in about seven, but I had to completely sit out my junior year. Uh, I've had that. I know of five concussions that I know of. Uh, I've broken my nose three times. I've broken just about every finger and toe that I have. Uh, but luckily, that's where it ends you know, the list. Last last summer, whenever I separated my shoulder, it, it could have been much worse, but it was basically just out of socket and it didn't tear anything. Uh, just strained it all. And I, I needed to take some time off to heal. But that was more me being hurt, I guess, as opposed to injured. And then the, the emotion of it all came in too, from just that contract, everything, the way that it all went, I kind of like blew it up a little bit more than it needed to be. But I, uh, that was, that was my own fault. The, that was the most recent, but outside of the, you know, the hamstring, the concussions and the nose and the, the phalanges, I'm, uh, log, you know, fairly, I've stayed fairly healthy. So, in, in talking about another thing in in the drug, not performance enhancing, but when you look at the dark side of the ring, when you look at beyond the mat, uh, there's and we'll get into the other documentaries and stuff. But you you see more than the performance enhancing, but you see the recreation, the recreational. But but even more than that, you see the heroin and yeah. I mean just stuff that I mean see, so before I Jake the Snake Roberts. 
came across Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page saved his life. I don't care what anyone says. He saved That's his life. And he saved Razor Ramon Scott Nash's life. There's no doubt in my mind. And and it, that's exactly what I was about to say. Diamond Dallas Diamond Dallas Page is an is an is an absolutely amazing person because he has taken uh, people into his house to live there to clean them out. To I mean, he is a phenomenal person. Did he just get into the Hall of Fame too? By the way, uh, he's been there for a while, but. Uh, He's got his his DDP yoga that he does now. That's getting you know so much press, but but you know when you when you say that, I think that if if he doesn't come across Diamond Dallas Page, Jake the Snake dead. Oh yeah, no He's, doubt in my mind. Hundred uh, percent. Uh, Scott Nash, uh, Ray, Razor Ramon, whichever one you want to call him. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Was Jake the Snake Roberts, by the way, in the Peanut Butter Falcon? Was that Jake the Snake? think so have you seen have you seen him but her uh, no, i've seen clips of it i haven't gotten around to watching it yet i have not seen it yet. yeah we were talking I'm about that certain it has to do with wrestling and, and the the gentleman with young man with down syndrome it's been on my list yeah that's his dream and they go this cross country and i'm rather certain the bad guy in that was jake the snake roberts who wrestled them He's actually back. Uh, he's working with AEW now, and he's cutting some of the best promos of his career. He's managing uh, one of their new guys, you know, putting over young talent the way that I think it should be. You know, if you're an old guy coming back, latch on as a, as a mentor manager guy. You know, you, we know you can talk. You don't need to get in there in the ring. We know what you can do in the ring. Let them show what they can do, and you help get them to that spot. Well, and speaking of Jake the Snake, you know they they talked to him in Dark Side of the Ring when whenever he did the uh, Cobra stunt. Yeah, that's, uh, and, that's crazy. And they told him, you know, he he gets into it, and they say, "Well, you have him bite you first, and then you can just sit here and not take any antidote. And if you're okay, then we'll do it out there." Yep. When you look at the me. '80s wrestling, and and even though I said the '90s wrestling was the the best to me, well, the '80s it, was crazy. Oh yeah, if yeah, you look at that. <clears throat> When I was a kid, and and you see the wrestling back then, but it went to more than just wrestling. You had the Hulk Hogan cartoon show. Uh, you had, I mean, there were so many different things. You had Hulkamania going on. It, 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 it was big to me. Once again, I still say that the 90s were the biggest, but the 80s just had some very nostalgic stuff. And I agree with you. When those guys come back, we don't need to see what you're doing in the ring. You're 60, 70 years old. Yep. Teach these guys how to make the shows that you made happen. And That way wrestling's here for another 100 years. Absolutely. Well, I think that's where the AEW can, like DJ, to your point, you're saying, oh, these guys, if they would kind of mentor or like take a guy under their wing and then say you tag team with them and or you do some creative matches, I think that's the solution in that situation myself. I agree. Yeah. Take so the other every, every story is different, you know, and you want to tell a good story, you know, whether it's teaming with somebody or even, you know, having an old guy that is working against a young guy, as long as you do it right. You know, the problem with the, the Goldberg scenario is uh, they, he actually just beat probably the best character WWE's come up with in the past year. He had worked his way up to champion and then Goldberg beat him in a few seconds just to take that title into WrestleMania. That and guy's a monster, though. That's, that's where you can't That's where you can't do that. I mean, granted, okay. yeah, it's, gold, it's still Goldberg. Question. I wouldn't want to get around him. Good question. So 
getting first of all, Dark Side of the Ring sort of Ronald uh, Ma- Ron- Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Oh, great yeah. episode. The Von Erics were in there. Uh, what were the other ones that were in there the first season? Uh, the Fabulous Moolah. That's, that's a true job. Uh, the Bruiser. Bruiser Brody was a that's wild. Yeah. Well, so um, the question I want to get to is uh, which one was your favorite and why? So out of the first season, uh, which I don't even know if it was actually classified in the first season, but uh, they did a really good one on deathmatch wrestling uh, with CZW and all of that, which I uh, I personally, for the right amount of money, I'd do it, but it's not my cup of tea. That uh, all comes out of Japan. Fluorescent tubes and, you know, landmines and crap. But, I mean, hey, there is a place for it. Obviously, it's still going on, but... Was Brody and the other guy was Abdullah the Butcher or whatever. Oh yeah, dude, Abdullah the Butcher. Their heads were so scarred up. Well, they just the, the one blades they would do. The one that just released this week is about New Jack, and uh, really? that one is crazy. Yeah, he was a uh, he was notorious. I mean, he would start riots whenever he was having his matches, and he would be standing there stabbing people in the ring like crazy, crazy shit. But uh. Yeah, that's that's not me. I mean, I'll do it if it makes sense, you know. Like, I'll I'll get I'll, I'll I'm happy to bleed, but it's got to make sense or accidentally happen. But uh, and get paid. Exactly. Oh yeah. No, well, bleed. someone asked you. So the screw job. Here's what I really wanted to ask. I lost my train of thought earlier. <laughs> Bret Hart, <laughs> Vincent Mann. Yeah. It's tradition. You hand over your belt when you leave. Who was really the villain? Was it uh, Brett the Hitman Hart that didn't want to relinquish his title in, by losing and it's someone else taking over? Or him saying, no, I've earned this. I'll hand it over when I'm done and I'll leave WCW. Okay. So I am about to answer that, but I saw Jeff asked about the landmines. Yeah, it's a thing. Look it up in Japan. Yeah, landmines happen. But uh, as far as the Bret Hart thing, uh, yeah, definitely the uh, – as far as who was in the wrong there, it's still two sides to every story. But uh, from what's to be believed, uh, and what Brett also said recently in an interview with Steve Austin was that uh, he had gone to Vince and said, hey, you know, I have no problem dropping my belt to Sean. I have no problem doing it, even in Canada. But, uh, you know, he wanted it to, to, you know, go a certain way. And Vince said, okay, that's fine. It can go that way. And so Brett went backstage to Sean and offered a handshake and said, Hey man, I'm glad we're able to you know, do this. I just want you to know, like I, I do respect you, even though we don't get along. And apparently Sean basically spit in his face and told him he didn't want his handshake. And at that point, Brett went to Vince's office and told him, "Never mind, I'm not doing it. And the rest is kind of history at that point. So, uh, that's that, I mean, that's, that's Brett's side of the story. He just gave it's a recent, uh, Thing. In fact, while you are able to get onto the WWE network for free, you can watch it. It's one of the Stone Cold Stone Cold's podcast is awesome, yeah, fantastic. And he went they went deep into that it was a couple weeks ago. And uh, but I mean, and I'll I'll be the first to admit I'm not the the biggest Bret Hart guy. I know that might catch me some heat. It does with my roommate and some other friends. But I think that uh, he uh, granted great in the ring, but when it came to that family, Owen was the the star in my opinion. But you know. To each their own, but I do think that uh, they were kind of both in the wrong there. 
the end of the day it is business and you can't play it out like that in front of a live crowd but right looking back i think vince vince won in that situation brett went to oh, the WCW no and yeah. failed miserably yeah no doubt yeah he his first appearance was being a referee yeah. on wcw which was kind of a a Wearing big the jersey, in the looking face. Like, looking yeah, like that's, off his couch yeah yeah uh uh so my brother and i undefeated i was always carrie von eric he was kevin and i think we were like 12 13 we used to beat every kid in the neighborhood on okay all right so, jeff hold on wait a minute but, was that when you were a kid or is that recently because you play with all the neighborhood <laughs> kids now now that you're That's at home, question, DJ. no, it's not. You play baseball and soccer every day with the neighborhood kids. Um, golly, I've added a bunch of more sports since then. Uh, no, we were same age. All right. Uh, same age and ass weapons were customary and we gave them. Okay. All right. What would, what was your wrestling name? I mean, I know you were a Von Eric, but. I was Kerry Von Eric or Jeff Van Kick Your Ass. Okay. Jeff Van kick your ass? It just came to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Were you, Nick, were you... have you ever heard of a wrestler named The Missing Link? I love The Missing Link. Oh. He was green. That was the very first wrestling match I saw live in Enid, Oklahoma, <laughs> in a basketball arena. And it was like. Like you said, like 20 bucks, you go in, you have the time of your life and the missing link. And I'll never forget. He came out and he was supposed to be confused and he was banging a chair on his head. And it was great. Those those smaller venues are so fun because you can take part of it. Mm -hmm. You're not because I've been to I've been to WWE events, too. And there's so many people you unless you're right next to the ring, you really can't get involved. Yeah. No, that's that's always the best. Even whenever I, I go to shows, even as an adult, I uh, still sit there and you know I love being able to talk to the to the guys and, and heckle them. So, oh, hey, what what what? Who was the guy with the long hair? He'd wear like the Tarzan shit and jump off. Jimmy, look at that dude was awesome. Well, he murdered a girl. Yeah, he murdered someone. Allegedly, he murdered his wife. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, he, he, uh, Nick, the only time like I'll disagree with you. Allegedly, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a similar situation. He, he has gone on Howard Stern and done some interviews where he is less than not guilty on there. I mean, <laughs> saying, Definitely. saying some of the stuff, but that you're right. That would be an, an absolute great, uh, I believe that they're planning to do that one. Uh, I'm not sure though with it probably still being an open case, I would assume. But I don't know, man. It's this world of wrestling is definitely wacky and wild. But so, so if DJ. you can say it, well, hold on, Jeff, for just a second. If you can say Nick, and I don't know if you can or if you want to, favorite wrestling club of all time. And and what I mean is WWE, oh, uh, WCW. Favorite wrestler of all time is that's well. another good great question. Both great questions. You know, I do still have to go with the WWE as my favorite company okay. of all time. I mean, okay. it, it's, it's Walmart, you know, 
it's, it's the NFL. It's the biggest, you know, it's where you dream to be. Granted, I would like to end my career there, but I'm happy staying away for as long as I can. But uh, it's that, that, that's the childhood dream. That's the memories that you have, you know. And, well, let me ask you a question then. You said if you could stay away from there as long as you can. There sounds a, like a little trepidation in your voice. What? Why do you want to stay? I mean, that is the biggest stage. Why do you want to stay away? Well, see, so I'm young, and I know what I have to bring to the table. I know my skills, and I know uh, where where I stand and where I, what, what I have the ability to learn. And uh, I do not feel that I'm 100% uh, ready to where if I, if I got the call from the WWE tomorrow, I would probably end up just showing up and collecting a paycheck and never being able to make make something of myself because i wouldn't be afforded the opportunities because i'm not ready for them yet and uh, not to say i'm wrong you know you never know what could happen but i would rather spend 10 years plugging away running the independence traveling the world learning and just getting better making a name for myself and make them come to me and offer me big money before you know i go to them and try to try to get on would you like so to I'm go to japan and wrestle Oh, yeah, I would love to. That kind of seems uh, like, if you look at it, a lot of people have come from that, that you know, that, that culture, that growing up. Uh, one of the biggest, Mankind, oh, yeah. uh, was yeah, huge in Japan. Right. He, he was huge in Japan, and it, I, I think that, I think he wants to be part of the show. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so someone said WCCW. My favorite is WCCW. Yeah. That's kind of where I grew up. It was regional. Von Eriks. Yeah, when Steve Austin came on, my brother and I, we thought that was the coolest thing to be here. And he just owned everybody and everything. And that was so freaking cool. But that was when he was um, Sterling Steve Austin, right? A stunning. Steve stunning Austin. Steve Austin. I'm sorry. And he had the, yeah, right? Uh, no, but I, that's probably my favorite. And my favorite wrestler of all time, maybe Kevin Von Erich, but I'm going to say Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh. Oh. Yep. You're right. <laughs> so, Nick, who's your favorite? I mentioned it earlier. And I mean, it. I go back and forth. But I think – so my favorite wrestler of all time is Eddie Guerrero, but I think maybe the greatest wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. I know it's kind of a wow. confusing, but uh, – that's that's kind of where I stand on that. But Eddie Eddie is just there's nobody like him. I mean, he what he could do in that ring and the way that he was able to work and just the way he bended the rules and just changed the industry was next to none. And it, it, nobody will ever be able to do what he did. Well, Nick, we're alone for a second. Jeff left. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can bring him back in. There we go. There what is. happened, Jeff? Technical difficulties. Oh, okay. Uh, so I think my favorite, I would have to say my favorite wrestler of all time would be Stone Cold. I, I think Stone that Cold. I, 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 That's it, solid. That's I, I solid. just think that he kind of, you know, even more, and, and I love the rock and I love what he's done and he's so charismatic in movies and he's done so much, but I think that Stone Cold just kind of transcended wrestling as a whole. I mean, he, he could make everybody watch it. And The Rock, for a long time, I, I think you'll agree, Nick, when he was Rocky Maivia and when he was in the Legion of Doom and all that he kind of stuff. Die, Rocky, die chance. He, he just People wasn't that him. good. I mean, there was yeah. something that, that hit really? all. Yeah, there was something that hit. 
that, that hit all of a sudden that made him popular. But, but for a long time, he was a nobody. I mean, and, and when Stone Cold hit the scene, he took it by storm and it was scorched earth around him. Grabbed it by the throat. Yeah. And, and so that's why I would have to say he's my favorite of all time because he changed the landscape. What's that? That's all I'm saying. I can't argue, argue with either of y'all's picks. They're, you know, both fantastic change, change their respective generations. Honestly, it's kind of the beauty of it too. That's three different, you know, generations of wrestlers. You know, we got Jeff, he's, he's so old. And then, you know, you, you know, you bridge the gap there. We got me here. Uh, he's only a year older than me. That was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, if you want to uh, refresh your drink, I'll get the next stuff set up and we'll talk about yeah, some documentaries. Come back on that Tiger King uh, segment for sure. So. Well, just, just go refresh your drink. Uh, Jeff and I'll talk and then we'll bring you back in on some documentaries. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Great job, man. That was, Hey, I'm told you he, he's got awesome stories. We're just scratching the surface. Um, Dugan versus Dr. Death helmet match. Dugan, Dugan, like, I don't remember that one. I got it. I got to yeah. tell you. Junkyard dog. You remember him? Junkyard dog was awesome. That had the chain Junkyard that he, dog. hell I yeah. Love I love Junkyard dog. Man, that, Wait that until you see the next one, Jeff. Here we go. Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. Steamboat? Definitely a high flyer. He was a high flyer. That was that was incredible. Man, this is a shout out for me because honestly, my brother and I, so WCCW, I think, came on like Saturday nights at like 10:30. So we went to the church the next morning. So we were supposed to be in bed. So my brother and I would somehow escape out and turn wrestling on and um we would watch it was awesome and it came on sunday morning so oh i think you snuck out because you were jeff von kick your ass i think that was your name is that what you said <laughs> uh i'll think of my formal name soon <laughs> some time. that was off the cuff hey nick if you ran across a guy like jeff that was jeff von kick your ass just tell me how you'd approach that in the ring Man, so uh, first off, I would ask him what part of Germany he was from, uh, being Von, Von Kick Your Ass. Uh, okay, okay. And then I would just tell you to pack your bags and take your ass back there because your days of working here are over. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of um, documentaries that are out. And there's a lot of great documentaries. Now, okay. I, I'm going to be right up front. None of these documentaries, and I think you'll agree, Nick, paint a flattering picture of wrestling. Oh, no. I mean, not at all. And, and I don't think they even try to paint a flattering, but like they don't, they go balls out against it. Um, and what I had said, we, Jeff and I did a podcast the other night where we were talking about um, Tiger King. And, and I know you want to talk about that and the Tigers. And I said, it's kind of poetic that we're talking about wrestling this week because they do pretty much the same thing. We talk about these wrestlers and they just use them and get rid of them when they're done. They're done. If they, if they can't produce money, if they can't produce crowds, we don't have any room for you. Yep. No, it is terrible. There's so many veterans that, uh, 
do end up not getting uh, the the help and support that they they deserve or need later on in their lives. And I mean, you know, think about guys like you know Dynamite Kid who spent half of his life in a wheelchair, you know, for what he gave to the business, and you know some of these other guys that just either can't walk or can't can't even speak or die young and their families and it is terrible but and then plus you know you're saying the documentary's painted all in a bad light but at the end of the day wrestling is one of the most overproduced and flashy and perfect things whenever you watch it on tv you know it's that's why it's able to be you know on tv in a form of entertainment if they were out there just fake fighting and it looked rinky dink it would be they would not make money and they wouldn't be on tv anymore but with the how polished it is and everything that makes it what are we looking at here <laughs> makes it a lot uh a lot easier to to sell hey, we're a broadcast nick just don't get scared we're a real broadcast oh yeah is this uh, like how joe rogan tells jamie to pull something up here yeah about? except except That's exactly what he's doing except i have i have to do it all uh because yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but so uh, I have not seen this documentary, Heartbreak and Triumph, the Shawn Michaels story. I don't know if you've seen it, Nick, but I have not well, seen I've, this one. I've seen so many wrestling documentaries. Um, that was from 2007. There's a good chance that I've watched it at some point. Uh, but anything about Shawn Michaels, his his story is fantastic. I mean, he went from when we were talking about Bret Hart earlier, where he was so strung out on drugs and just being a, a real brat i guess the best way to put it uh then turning that around and finding god after breaking his back and stuff and being able to come back to to wrestling and become the greatest of all time and fantastic story and then edge that's another one of my uh when it comes to favorite wrestlers he's in my top three for sure really that that's i'm gonna tell you that's a little shocking to me i know he's pretty popular in wwe but uh He's in one of my top three. Is, uh, is it because he's a high flyer or what? Not even that. He actually wasn't. He was a uh, more of a technical guy, but uh, he was the best heel in the worst period of wrestling, if that makes sense. So, uh, the, worst, yeah. the worst point of time of WWE when it came to just, you know, storyline and product. And whenever people stopped watching and saying that it was, you know, stupid to watch was the, you know, the period that he had to be the bad guy to keep it going. And he did that tenfold i mean he the dude had a live sex celebration on usa network one time like he edge was edge was the man and me as a you know 10 year old kid watching that that was that was everything and i wanted to be the rated r superstar and then where he had to retire early and you know you look back on his career early on when he was a high flyer having those ladder matches and then going on to becoming that great bad guy and retiring because of his neck and then this year, actually, he just uh, came out of retirement. He is having his first match back at WrestleMania this weekend. But so, is he the one that was on the Chris Benoit? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, he was on there at points for he sure. He was on there a lot, talking about how much he liked Chris Benoit. And he yeah, thinks yeah, he's he a was, great wrestler. They were all in there together. And he's another Canadian, you know, wrestler. They all came up together. That okay. But, yeah. So let's move down the line because I haven't seen that one either. But like I said, you know, with Edge, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I'm not, by no means is he a bad wrestler or anything. He just never, he was kind of like the Hardy Boys to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's great. I mean, they he, they made a career off of each other, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Absolutely, I mean, the ladder matches they had. 
but uh, I mean, and, and so that's why that's why it's strange to me that you would say he's not a high flyer because early in his career he was, but the period that I uh, most associate my brain with Edge, yeah, he did some high flying and he was known for the TLC, but he was just uh, he was technical and he was just a performer. He he made you hate him because if, as a bad guy you can't you can't do all the high flying stuff just because he could physically doesn't mean that he could you know in the sense of wrestling. We'll I, go into that a little there, more. Explain that a little more, there, Nick. If I go out there and I'm trying to, you know, piss off the crowd and try to make sure that they, they cheer for Jeff and not me, I'm not going to go out there and hit, you know, backflips off the top rope onto Jeff because that's going to make you stand up out of your seat and cheer. I'm going to go out there whenever he tries to do a backflip. I'm going to clip his legs out from underneath them, put him in a headlock and tell them, sorry, you're not going to get that today. That's the, it's the beauty and the art of playing the bad guy. That's why I enjoyed that is you can – you get to ruin the fun, you know, in a way, if that makes sense. Like, you're, yeah, absolutely. You're, not there to, you're not there to impress anybody. You're there to piss people off. And so any way that you can do that, you should definitely do that. Rated R Superstar years definitely were the best, Josh. But, yeah, I uh, I love me some Edge. And they actually have a great uh, series going on on the WWE Network right now called The Ruthless Aggression Era. And it's about that whole period of time where it was kind of like the dark ages of wrestling. And, uh Edge had a big hand in all of that. Another one that's worth a watch. I don't know if it'll come up in this or not. But so with this documentary, uh, John Cena. What do you think about John Cena? I think that that he's kind of a mixture of a lot of different wrestlers, and I think that uh, I think he brought some focus back to wrestling. And then, of course, in all the movies I've ever seen him in, he's hilarious. I mean, he. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he can, he can kind of do it all. He was uh, well, not hilarious in the Marine, but he, you know, he played in the WWE movies. He was bad. he was absolutely hilarious in the Amy Schumer film. Um, oh yeah, Trainwreck. Train yeah, he yeah. was he was hilarious in that movie. Um, Another one was what was it? Uh, Dad's uh, cock blockers. Cock blockers. That movie was great too. Cock blockers. What about uh, Daddy's Home? Oh, Daddy's yeah, he was great in Daddy's Home too. Um, so yeah, no, honestly, like John Cena is another one of those where while he was in his prime, uh, he got a really bad rap because he was very like in, in the same sense of Hogan where he didn't have a whole lot of big crazy moves, but he was real good at what he did. And uh, he was just like with Edge, he carried that company through that dark period of time. Edge and Cena was the best rivalry that kept WWE going for about five or six years. You know, you throw Randy Orton to Dave Batista in the mix here and there, but I mean, it was it was Edge and John Cena. And love Dave Batista though. I love Dave Batista. Oh, yeah, he's really transcended over into some other stuff. Yeah, he's a sixteen-time world champion. Him and Ric Flair are the only people in history to have won that many championships, and they're tied. I mean, it's hard not to say that John Cena might not be or might be the greatest of all time. So not mine, but he's up there. Right, of course. I do, I do appreciate his versatility, and I think what John Cena and The Rock, they, I think they have this way of their their physical actors, which they are, but their face, their their big muscles, they're able to be so versatile with their face and articulate. They're very smart, big muscles, smart, and they're very talented. They can speak with their face. They they can they can do a lot, and I. You know, more power to him. John, the Rock, excuse me, 
John Cena, all he did was say, okay, Rock, you did this. I'm going to follow that same. Boom. To and an extent. I mean, The Rock wasn't out there. John Cena, the way that he actually started getting popular was uh, whenever he was doing his, uh, you know, white guy rapper gimmick that he did. And that was wildly entertaining. And people still love that to this day. That's what got him to the dance. And then he kind of took over as that, uh, I guess, Superman uh, as character. But the this next one that you pulled up is funny. I actually have it sitting on my uh, entertainment center in my room. I was just watching so, it a couple days ago. I have it on DVD. This brings me to another point, though, Nick. <clears throat> I don't think wrestling is what wrestling used to be. Oh, I don't. No. I don't think that wrestling is any more that. And I believe with you. Uh, and, and not just because you're a guest on the show in talking to you i believe that that is the true art form to you not making movies not being an actor is to be a wrestler until you retire am i wrong in that statement you're 100 right at least with me and there are others that that is the case with but, but i can't tell you if i if if i ever got to be as big as john cena or dwayne johnson and i had the opportunity to, to do what they're doing in hollywood It'd be very hard to say that I I wouldn't do it. And and, and I right. get that. But but when I look at someone like CM Punk, right? They're talking about him being the next Bruce Campbell in the Evil Dead series. Talking about rebooting the Evil Dead series what? of Bruce yeah, Campbell. That's crazy. I mean, and Bruce Campbell him, has yeah, backed him up on Twitter and said, yeah, he would be a good one to take over the role of Ash. See, I saw his uh, horror movie that's on Netflix. I mm-hmm. uh, forget the name of it. And I... Can't say I was too impressed. I, I love CM Punk. Like I was just saying, I I could literally ten feet away, I can go grab it. I have this DVD right here on my nightstand. I was just watching it. Um, he's he's one of the best of all time when it came to especially talking, but in the ring too. And I mean that I might be more built than he was. You know, like it was it was very believable seeing him in the ring and he was chopping down the likes of Brock Lesnar and actually beating him up because he was a, a wrestler. And that's what it was so easy to get behind. Right. He was technical. His problem, though, is, uh, I mean, and it's in his name. He's, he's kind of a punk, and he didn't take well to authority, which to each their own, you know, if, if you've got it and you have the ability to take your ball and go home, that's your prerogative, you know. But I just, I, I don't know if that could be me per se, but I definitely understand where he's coming from. He, I mean, they, they sent him his release papers on his wedding day, and uh, you know he had staff what? infection, and they did. Yep, they sent him his release papers on his wedding day. He had staff infection, and they made him wrestle with it. And he shit his pants on live TV. Uh, huh. It was. I mean, he they treated him bad. He deserved. I mean, he Funny. deserved better. But I shit my pants every time we have a podcast. <laughs> to completely leave the industry, though, that's that's a tough one. I don't know. I I don't think he. I'm going to be real honest, Nick. I don't think he wanted to be a wrestler. I think he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Well, you see, he does the WWE backstage now. They're like, uh, their sports center shows they do. Plus, he, he <clears> tried <throat> to you know, guys asking it to him three times, but it was a two or three. But regardless, acting might be the suit for him. And if he is Ash, you know, that, that'd be awesome. I, I'm down. I'm on board. I'll watch it. But are you, are you an Evil Dead fan? I'm I'm a fan of the Evil Dead. I like the, the Ash versus Evil Dead that came out a couple of years ago. Great show. Uh, Jeff is not an an Evil Dead or an Ash fan. I don't 
don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, see. I was actually at uh, the Dallas HorrorCon last year, I believe, and I uh, was about to get to meet him, but then we went to lunch, and I didn't get a good spot in line. In the- I met him. So, so I met Bruce Campbell in California. I met him in Pasadena, uh, and um, I found a guy at the convention. It was a Fangoria horror, horror movie convention, and he had actually built an ashtray with ash on top of it. And so I had him sign the ashtray as ash. Yeah. Did it have ash from a cigarette and it said ash on an ashtray? Mm-hmm. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know. So um, I, I, getting into this next one where we talk about ECW, uh, Paul Heyman, of course, was part of WWF. I think he was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was part of WCW too. Yes, yeah, so he for a small ECW. time. He created ECW, and at one point he was uh, working for both of them. You know, he was kind of as a developmental unofficially for both sides until WWE kind of realized, hey, there's something here, and so they started funding ECW at one point and uh, sending him talent and money for him to get their talent ready to be on TV more or less. Well, and, do you uh, remember when they got rid of him and then as he was leaving, uh, he broke up the APA and took yeah. Terry Bradshaw and turned him into JBL, which JBL is going into the, or I guess what he went in tonight or would have gone into the hall of fame tonight. If the hall of fame still happened, uh, thank you, coronavirus. But, uh, yeah, no, JBL was supposed to go into the hall of fame. What about Farouk? Oh, well, he's been in there for a while. Has he? Uh, okay. He was he was the first uh, Ron Simmons was the first African American world champion in wrestling history actually. He he was a great character. I I really enjoyed the APA. I I oh, thought yeah. that was a, a they were great. Yeah. Definitely. So, I would uh, I've always wanted to try to recreate that one day maybe either whether in booking or doing it myself try to have, you know, a, a tag team for hire type thing going on, but Yeah, they they were great together. <laughs> You're available. Is that what you said, Jeff? Don't hey, <laughs> don't mess with this fury. I will let it le- let it loose, buddy. Scott Hall story. Uh, I think he's dishy. So yeah. I think I've been messing it up. Uh, it, it wasn't Scott Nash. It was Scott Hall, right? Oh, that was Razor Ramon. Because Kevin Nash was his. Uh, I'm sorry. Friend. That's right. I'm sorry. So Scott Hall, but Razor Ramon, but. You know, when when they go into that documentary with DDP and, and Scott Hall says straight out, if if he wouldn't have called me, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. They were all in a real bad spot at that time. The whole click is what they called it. Uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, uh, and X-Pac. And they were all doing real bad. And most of them, except for X-Pac, kind of, came out of it xbox finally doing a little bit better these days for now but uh what do you mean yeah. by that dude? well hell china's dead yeah china as well yeah she, she china died. Dead? or is that yeah, china's dead but yeah no i mean they were all just super strung out on drugs and just not they didn't have their mind right and they were all just you know doing doing terrible terrible things but uh so what do y'all think about you said this name where does triple h fit in this like triple h, yeah. is he truly married to Vince daughter. Uh, they've been uh, they've been married pretty much since like mm-hmm. the whole storyline happened. Yep. It, it t- became reality. Uh, and he honestly, Triple H, I 
it's it's morbid, but you know, he once Vince McMahon's gone, he will be the one that's running the company, and it will be in a lot better hands whenever that happens. Absolutely. If you look at what he's done, right? Like someone that's been there, done that. I mean, Vince, his dad created it all. I mean, he grew up around it. He knows it. Vince was great, but at this point, he's a 70-something-year-old man that is losing it a little bit and still in charge of a multi-billion-dollar company and writing a three weekly television shows, technically, you know, with all three of his brands that he has. So that's that's a lot for somebody that age with that mind to be able to do. And what Triple H has done with NXT is absolutely insane. It's fantastic stuff. It's I honestly, there are times that I think it's the best wrestling promotion in the world today is Triple H's NXT. He only had one misstep, and that was the chaperone. Yeah. I, I really think that was his only misstep, because I think that he he looked at The Rock, and he looked at a couple of these other guys and said, I can make a movie too, and I think that was his only kind of misstep. I think that you're exactly right. He is very business-minded, always has been, even with that bad boy persona when he was in DX and all that kind yeah. of stuff, he's always been about the business. And I, I completely agree with you that I think it will be in better hands with him, which is strange to me because it technically should go to Sean. Yeah. But it's not gonna. We'll see it. Uh, or even, you know, Stephanie or Shane, but, uh, they, uh, it, it, Triple H has definitely done so much for the business, and I, I can't even think of uh, where we would be without him at this point. I, I'm excited to see what he does, you know, in the future once the, uh, the the tide turns. I guess is the best way I could say it. But uh, yeah, no, I've always always been a big big fan of, of Triple H. But, oh, and there he is, bang! I I really think he's one of probably the best human beings around. Yeah. Oh, easily. Uh, he saved so many lives. And you got to think about that picture right there when he won his first world title. He was 46 years old. Really? And uh, he'd, only been he'd been wrestling at that point for less than 10 years. Easily. I mean, he, he started late and did did everything. And now look at him. You know, he's saving lives with his yoga. DDP is a fantastic person. But uh, it does. I, I was going to mention also. There is one that's. Uh, I won't show up on this list, but it is on YouTube uh, called "Wrestling Isn't Wrestling," and it's made by uh, Max Landis, who used to be a writer for WWE. Fantastic documentary-ish type thing. Uh, basically, just talking about what all we've been talking about. But he goes deep into Triple H's story to tell about how the wrestling business works, and definitely another great one. But sorry, you can continue. No, go ahead. You could talk about that one if you'd yeah, like. Go into it. Oh, well, no, it's just, uh, so basically it was, uh, it's a guy, he's a, a film dude, he's younger, but he was a writer for WWE for a while. Whenever he got fired, he went on YouTube and made this, uh, like I said, kind of documentary S thing where he hired all these female actors to play the wrestlers and uh, shot it like, you know, a movie. But he basically talks about how, what wrestling actually is, which is, you know, what we've been getting into for the past, you know, however long. And, uh, but telling it through the story of Triple H, you know, that is proxy. So starting at day one when Triple H got signed and all the way up to where he is here in 2020, still doing it. Uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, little video documentary type type thing. But it's about 20 minutes long, so just make sure you get time for it. But very, very good. So let's uh, let's keep moving on down the list here. 
great. Have you watched this one on HBO? I have. Un- unreal. I love it. I love it. Crazy. Man, I-, I wish I could drink as much beer as that guy. So didn't they say he drank like one? Like he drank like eight you bottles of like wine or like three cases of beer? Yeah. Like normal. Yeah, just like nothing. Just smash on. Maybe that yeah. beer can was smaller than his fist. God, it's crazy. Remember when Hulk Hogan bench pressed him over his head? That was a moment he, if I recall right, that was like a relinquishing of the person. Like, hey, you boss at me, I'm passing my greatness on to you, and you're going to become. That, that was, was a really epic moment, actually. I mean, that's one of the biggest moments in the history of wrestling is when Hogan body slammed yep. onto. I mean, it's. He's like 500 pounds or something. 30 years before I was born, and I knew about that whenever I was eight years old. Before I even got into, you know, before I even knew as much as I know now, everyone knows about Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant. And that's what I was saying earlier. Without without Andre, without that moment, Hogan might not have ever been as big as he was. Oh, I agree with that. Hogan got the big boost out of that. Huge boost out of that. I'll be one of the first to say I think Hogan was also overrated, kind of like Bret Hart, but for different reasons. Bret Hart had it in the ring. He didn't have it on the mic. Hogan had it on the mic. Hogan didn't have it in the ring. Yeah, if you watch some of Hogan's, if you watch some of Hogan's wrestling, um, it's uh, <laughs> my grandmother could do it probably. Yeah. There's a lot of very far misses, and I mean, you see some. Some crazy stuff on the mic. There's not been many better. I think on the mic, though, the best of all time is probably uh, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, baby. Dusty Rhodes. Well, speaking of Dusty Rhodes, though, probably, uh, I mean, if we're talking about people that are good on the mic, uh, Gold Dust was pretty good on the mic. Gold Dust. So his uh, his son, Gold Dust, and his other son, Cody, they both uh, are. The ones that well, Cody's the one that's president of uh, AEW, but Goldust is also wrestling for it now, just as Dustin. But yeah, well, and he's he's wearing gold makeup and stuff too. Still, oh no, he can't anymore. He's wearing red and black. But it it looks pretty much like still, the same it's design, still right? Goldust. It's still one hundred percent gold. Yeah, dust. absolutely. It's, but I mean, it's I, I love that, and I think I mean Dusty was Dusty's one of the greatest of all time, and both of his kids. I mean, even even Goldust. He had to do something to be different and separate himself from his dad's name, I feel like, at that time, especially because Dusty was still going heavily at the time. And doing the gold dust thing was such a risk, especially at that point in time in the 90s, going out there as a you know cross dresser, you know, flamboyant, grabbing men in questionable places type thing, you know. It took some balls and he did it and he did it well and he owned it. And yeah. he is still wrestling at a very, very high level putting on matches that doing things that I, I can't even do. And he's doing it in 2020 still. So let me ask a question real quick. I've got it posted up here. Okay. Everybody that's watching the show right now, everyone just post into the comments what you're drinking tonight because someone wants to know. So, um, I'll start. I got some captain Morgan. Uh, I'm, I'm actually drinking. Uh, I had some Pendleton whiskey. Uh, and now I'm drinking Grolsch beer, which is okay. fastly becoming my favorite beer. So, is that a, a, a ale or a lager? Or? It's a beer in a green Word. in a green bottle, and it has a really cool top. So, 
Can't beat that. Can't beat that. There so, this is a good point that Jeff brings up. Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips in Rocky Three. <laughs> Man, Rocky Three is just the. That's a, honestly, I, I use that as a blueprint for wrestling matches all the time. <laughs> how about how about No oh, Holds dude. Barred? Let's let's use yeah. that as a as a blueprint. Maybe not Rocky Three. Or uh, yeah, man, but David Arquette. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, looks like we got a little black and tan. Uh, Captain Morgan with Sean. Uh, it's a Pilsner is what they're telling me. I, I don't know. Word. I guess. <laughs> so let's... A, uh, Amber, we're a stout guy when it comes to my beer for sure. But... Now, I've right, never yeah. heard of this one at all. Okay, so I can hear you, uh, help you out here. Now, okay. Again, this is now a uh, commentator for WWE, most of their UK brand, but also on NXT. But uh, he is one of the biggest names to ever wrestle outside of Vince McMahon's company. Okay. He's never actually wrestled in the WWE, but he is one of their best commentators now because of what he did out of there. So uh, where he made his prominence was obviously the Brid uh, British wrestling scene as well as the uh, uh, Ring of Honor wrestling scene, which Ring of Honor is an American-based company that they're still going, obviously not right now with Corona, but they're still you know out there kicking around. It's been getting weird for them, but they, uh, they're staying in business for the, the time being. But there's so many names that have come out of there. Nigel McGinnis, uh, I mean, he made Daniel Bryan, if you know who that is. Yeah, he's a, he was a world champ at one time. So, yeah, definitely. He made a event at WrestleMania beat Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista in the same night. But, and he's uh, married to a female wrestler, right? Oh, yeah, Brie Bella, one of the, those beautiful twins. But uh, Nigel made him a star. Nigel made CM Punk a star. Nigel made Samoa Joe a star. Nigel made AJ Styles. I mean, he worked all of those guys early in their career, and they all credit him as one of the people really? that – they so, so why didn't he ever, I mean, Andrew of course he's commentating right now for WWE, but any reason why he never kind of crossed he, that threshold? He was always uh, just one of those guys that they considered, I guess, a good hand. He would be, he'd make more money on the indies doing, you know, being that star that got people to the next level, as opposed to being that guy in WWE that got, you know, made the other stars look good and he would maybe get to wrestle three times a year, three times a month for WWE, as opposed to wrestling three times a week, doing what he loved, putting people over, you know, it, he was just, he was something else. He was so, so talented at uh, just the, the wrestling, the, the transitions, the technical aspect of it. British wrestling as a whole is that way, but he just mastered it. Plus he's so good at talking too, which is why he's now a commentator, but yeah, um, his was, I think, concussions plus, like, something with too many. He broke his wrist a lot of times or something, I think. I could be wrong, but it was injuries that ended up taking him out of the ring. Well, that, I mean, it, it's pretty interesting to see. Now, when you say that he could make, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said he could make more money in the indies than he could wrestling for WWE. Oh, 100%. Okay, so let's get into that a little bit because – to me, and I don't know about you, Jeff, but 
I wouldn't ever think that you could make more money in the indies than you couldn't like isn't that the ultimate goal to be WWE or so, for it depends the on the country, right? Yeah, for the longest time that's how it was, yeah. But nowadays, uh like I said, we're kind of in a renaissance right now of wrestling, especially independent wrestling, and people got fed up with the WWE ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and stopped watching completely. But there was still that that group of, of my people, the you know, the hardcore fans that you know stayed in or even you seem, you know, like you you've kept up to an extent. Like the people that have kept up and stuck around through the bad started getting fed up. And that's whenever we started going to alternatives, finding that new Japan for wrestling, you know, that was always there. We were always watching, but just saying, you know what, I'm gonna give them my money instead of giving them my money. And uh so going to New Japan, you know, going to Ring of Honor, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, Evolve, Progress, uh, you know, Impact all of these other companies that are out there, people started going to them and watching them. And you see some familiar faces that have gotten fired or retired from WWE. You see new guys that you fall in love with the first time you see them that you think, oh man, I could watch this guy wrestle every day or listen to this guy talk every day or that that girl or whatever. You know, you, you start finding that you fall in love with wrestling again. And that's honestly what happened to me whenever I was, it was like everyone else. I, you know, I watched it as a kid, stopped watching around, middle school high school for a year or two and then got introduced uh, for more some of y'all was longer but for me it was about a year or two and then uh started finding you know japan and watching you know some of those guys like you know tanahashi and kazushka okada and uh you know kenny omega aj styles shinsuke nakamura you know all of these guys that are some of the greatest i've ever seen in my lifetime that are doing it at the age where I could potentially wrestle against them makes me go out there and pay a tuition to a wrestling school. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We need to keep getting people in here doing this. People that, you know, make people want to watch it and pay to come see us, make that kid in the front row fall in love with it to want to come do it. And it's just a, it's a circle of life in, in a sense that the, uh, the thing with making more money on the Indies is you got guys like the young bucks, Cody Rhodes, uh, Kenny Omega, Marty Skrull, these are all people that have been offered multi-million dollar contracts by WWE and have turned it down because they know that they make 400 grand uh, every six months off t-shirt sales alone. And then they're big enough stars at this point that they can ask for a thousand dollar booking fee and do that four times a week. And you just start adding all of that up and they're making, you know, 300, 400 grand a month and compared to WWE where you got guys that are the same size as them, same talent level as them, same background as them that are not making nearly that and they're not even getting to wrestle, which is what we're all there to do. They're having to sit in catering all day because they don't have anything for them story-wise. I got to tell you, like being that. old and fat, that sounds pretty good to me to sit in catering mm -hmm. all day. See, and that's why a lot of guys do get to that point where, and that's what I was saying earlier, with I'd rather... I'd rather work the indies right now. I'd rather make my money doing this, even if it's not on cable television. I can I can go around and I but, can but, make uh, But here's the thing, Nick. What is cable television? We're doing a show right now over the internet. The internet, AEW right. is all over YouTube. Who the fuck cares if it's on cable TV anymore? Yeah, you're 100% right, yeah. But it's still that, that... The mystique to it? Exactly, yeah, I guess more or less. That's the word I'm going for. Uh and just that, I don't know, whenever we were kids, 
and we're watching there, you know, on TV. Kids aren't doing that these days, but I'd like to think that they are, and that they'd see me the way that I saw them, you know. But listen, I got three kids. Jeff, you've got a kid. Kids don't watch TV anymore. It's true. No. Kids watch Netflix, YouTube, and fucking TikTok. That's what they Actually, watch. That's one of the reasons we got rid of our cable. He was like, I ain't watching cable. I'm going to watch YouTube through my Xbox or this through my Xbox or this. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that that is an untapped market. I really do. And I think that's what's smart about the AEW in the mistakes that I've said that I think they've made. And I could be completely wrong, but the, the things that they're doing right is, hey, let's put this on YouTube where people can watch it 24 hours a day for free. Uh-huh. 100%. I mean, we are in a streaming world for sure. And uh, if you can find a way to tap that. But what I also think, especially with, with everything going on in the world today, once everything gets reopened, live entertainment, there's still nothing like it. And we're all learning that the hard way right now. And uh, that's why I think also independent wrestling is even more important. And it, it'll, even, it'll see even more of a boom after this. Because, yeah, we have been at home watching wrestling on YouTube. And that's fun. It's nothing like when you're sitting there surrounded by a bunch of other people and you got that smell of body odor and nacho cheese in the air and you got <laughs> and that dude's yelling for the the guy that you're rooting against and you're yelling at each other and the wrestlers and you know you it, there's nothing like that. you can't trade that for the world so that's why I'd always always will tell people you know go out you might not be a fan of wrestling but if you got 20 bucks on a Thursday or a Friday night or even a Saturday free. Go, go see a local independent show and you will spend two hours and have the best time of your life. And then you can go out to the bar after that, you know? So in speaking of, cause you said that, you know, triple H's best thing that he ever did was NXT. Yeah. The next documentary is a future WWE, the, the FCW story. And this was of course the Florida championship wrestling before NXT. Mm -hmm. I actually just watched that documentary the other day. I liked it a lot. And, uh, what was cool about that is that you can actually get to see pretty much every single person that went through there are now the guys at the top of the card on Raw and SmackDown every week. And uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it is cool to see people at their roots and FCW was back whenever. So wrestling back in the day of, you know, what we all remember was the territory system. And there was, you know, WCCW was the, the Texas territory. And then you had Memphis. And then you had, you know, Florida and New England and all that. Well, New England started buying all the other territories and became the WWE. But in doing that, they needed to keep some alive because they couldn't be everywhere at once. And so Ohio, Florida, Georgia, and uh, I think one in Colorado were the ones that they kept open and they just turned them into developmental territories for them. And so they would have their younger talent go there, wrestle, learn how to work the camera cues and all of that stuff. And then they eventually, as time went on and money wasn't being made, started shutting them down and FCW was the last one. They moved everyone there and did it out of that. And it's the story about that change and then the change from FCW to NXT, which is just, that's a crazy story because that's really where you learn how these people are learning to become what you see on TV. It really. So they don't talk about beyond the mat here. And someone had brought that up that, um, they, uh, 
they wanted to know if that was on the list and and all That's that the kind old of one, stuff. Right from the '90s. Uh, I think it's 2000s, but Maybe but like that, but yeah. it's, it's the on one that really points out Jake the Snake and yeah, and a couple yeah, other yeah. people that he was smoking crack and and all that kind of stuff. They put um, that on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Now. It it absolutely is. Now I think they do it kind of cheap uh, of advertising it because they put the rock on the front and yeah. and all that kind of stuff where uh, people yeah, think, oh, we're gonna yeah. see a story about that when it's really a much much sadder story. I mean, he might be the old one, but we're going to put Jeff up there before all, either of us in the thumbnail of this video. So. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm putting this up so Jeff can see it. Was that what are you drinking, Jeff? Yeah. Yep. It's the only thing on the screen. Currently, Bud Light. All right. Bud Light. So Josh is asking about it, and he's asked about it up a little earlier. Um it was kind of the, I think it was kind of the documentary that brought all of this stuff kind of to the foreground of, yeah. uh, of people going, wow, uh, there's some One fucked up shit going on. Fake. And so, um, when you see that, do you ever, and, and if we get too personal on the questions, please tell us. Okay. But yeah, you're good. do you ever worry about that? You know, uh, like I said, here I am at 24, and I've had I'm, I'm on at least my fifth concussion that I know of, and that's already a, that's <laughs> that's already a scary number. But uh, you never know what 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 could happen. And the way that I see it is, I'm, I'd rather make the most out of the time that I have that I'm here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do something to to leave my impact on this world. And if that's wrestling, that's wrestling, and I truly believe that that is. And I hope, I mean, as far as the drugs and stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm strong enough willed that I, I won't allow myself to succumb to that. But uh, at least, you know, knock on wood, but you never know what could happen. But I don't, I don't think that will be my demise. If anything, I'll just, uh, it'll be, it'll probably be the concussions or just something else. You, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough to answer. Uh, I, and I, and I, I hate asking that question and I love no, asking that question because, no, yeah, yeah. because when you go into it, you're so, and I think it's in any, any career or anything you do as an adult, when you go into it, you have these high expectations and you have, this is going to happen in this. And then you look and you see, yeah, they reached that peak and then they crashed into the Valley as right. hard as like, as hard as anyone could. And and that's why I like asking questions like that to people is, I mean, that's out there, man. That's always got to be at the back of your brain. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely out there. It's definitely worrisome. And that's why, you know, I just try my best to surround myself with people that look out for my best interest and people that will tell me if I'm screwing up or doing something I don't need to do. Because a lot of times we can't see that ourselves. And, uh, you know, as far as just the body deteriorating and all that, that comes to the territory. I, I signed up for that the first day I got in, in the ring and that that's fine by me, but it's a, uh, it's, it's tough. And it's tough to watch some of these people that were heroes of you as a child do this and become what they become. And you see, like, is that what my future will be? But I just try my best to take care of my body as much as I can and pray that, you know, it all works out. But, you know, like I said, I'm here for, I'm going to take the most out of 
every situation that I can't, I have, and I'm going to do the most with, with what I is given to me. That, so that, I, I mean, that's an awesome statement for someone to say. To, I'm young, you know, it's hard to look at. Very question. Well, you know, and, and I think in everything that we're talking about, that's where it kind of leads to yeah. Um, in the end is, look, shit could go completely sideways on you. And and there's nothing, nothing that you could do, nothing that you could have done to not make it go sideways on you. Yep. That's got to be at the back of your head. And I think that I'll a lot of people get hurt. <laughs> well, and, and the whole thing is, though, is like we talked about where people say, oh, I don't watch that because it's fake and stuff. These are dreams of people and they end up what I think what bothers me the most about it is you have these guys that give their bodies, they give everything to this sport and when they're done they're just done like yeah. like ddp we've talked has really kind of changed that that outlook in the world by doing ddp yoga and bringing these guys in and getting them off drugs and and all that kind of stuff that doesn't happen to the majority of people no they're cast not. aside and they're done in fact, most, more, more, almost more than a majority, I would say, if there even is a word for that. But more often than not, it's it's not the happy ending. I mean, even even Hogan. It, it, absolutely. He's, he's still in decent shape, but I mean, look what all he's gone through in the past ten years. Like, happy endings are hard to come by whenever you live your life in the public spotlight, which in professional wrestling is one of the few. Because I mean, you know, you have your NFL, and in the NFL, there's. 30, 30 stars, actual superstars that everyone in the, their household names, that everyone knows, you know, you got the NBA, same thing, every other sport, you know, TV shows, you know, you got your couple of, you know, big stars when it comes to wrestling. If you're in the WWE, at least everyone knows everyone and everyone's going to remember right. everyone. I'm going to remember that guy. I'm going to remember, you know, Jake, the snake Roberts, who, yeah, he is a hall of famer, one of the best ever. But in his time, wasn't always the main event. You know, he was in that time with Macho Man and Hogan and all those guys. He was around, but he wasn't the guy. But we all still remember him. And right, you would just look at statistics. Like, what is it? Like one in four, one in five, whatever. That these people are gonna succumb to either drugs, or one in four are gonna go and you know kill their family, or one in four are gonna go and do this. And you look at the Benoits and the Jake the Snakes and all this, like. It's just statistics playing out in front of us, and it's trying not to become a statistic, more or less, whenever you get into my shoes. But So Josh brings up a good point. Let's Someone we haven't talked about, and I don't know if you want to talk about it, and if you don't, just say you don't, but Eric Bischoff. Genius. He created a lot of waves, and not only in, not only in the WCW of – of what he did, but putting kind of Vince McMahon on his heels. Oh no. Yeah. He created competition. He lit a fire under his ass. I think, I mean, wrestling, Eric Bischoff did more for the wrestling industry than most wrestlers have done. And he's been cast aside too, as far as I'm concerned, concerned of. Yes. And no, uh, I mean, he's, well, he's, he's personally like, it's been his own choice to take a step back. Uh, he, did he came back at one point in the mid 2000s to wwe and then after that he's went to tna and did that for a little while like everyone else did and now at this point he uh 
he's been quoted to say that he's he's not going to come back unless it makes sense. Hmm. And he's happy with what he's done, and if they called, he'd he'd answer the call and see what they have to say. But I think he's kind of happy with where he's at. But honestly, I think Bischoff was was great for the industry. Granted, he made mistakes, but Vince McMahon makes mistakes every week, and we sit there and tune in the next week. So it was just a matter of right place, right time for whichever one of them won. So we're starting to we're starting to get some questions for you, Nick. Uh, do the megastars have any medical coverage when they're finished? So uh, some WWE guys they have what's called a legends contract, and not everyone gets it. Most of them do. They will be helped uh, as far as like insurance and stuff like that. I don't know details, but I mean they are still getting checks in the mail every year from WWE how much that is depends on who it is and whatnot. But I do know I've met guys that were wrestling in WWE that are in wheelchairs and are working independent. You're running independent shows locally that aren't being helped by them. It's, it's more of a, if you did enough for them to earn them some money, then they're kind of obligated to help you out. But if you were just there and you know, you had a few matches on TV for a few years it just depends. It's it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, these wrestlers, what a lot of you guys don't know is even in the WWE to this day, Roman Reigns, one of their main eventers, they, they all top to bottom of the card. They have to pay for their own travel. They pay for their own hotels. They pay for their own food. They, WWE doesn't provide that. In really? Fact, they're considered independent contractors. They WWE doesn't pay for their rental cars, doesn't pay for their hotels their planes unless they're going out of the country and then they all have to ride on a bus together a smelly bus grown people that are superstars riding on a bus from town to town and that's in 2020 that still happens that's crazy that's crazy to me you're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry and they're treated like fucking animals 100 that's a fact i mean they they do that there are people like yeah, the money in WWE might be glamorous, but there's people that you see that are even on TV every week and they might be newer and they get signed a, a shitty contract when they got signed and blew up because they're a good face or good at what they do. And uh, they are making 75 grand a year while also paying for their own hotels and cars and travel. Right. A new, city, a new city four nights a week. And they're paying for all that while making 75 grand a year. I'm making more than that, you know, cooking, let alone wrestling in the Indies. So it's, it's definitely a, it's not the the best or the most glamorous lifestyle. Like people think, I mean, yeah, sure. The Miz and John Cena, they're getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, but you know, your guys like even Ricochet, who's a big name on the independent circuit, but in WWE, he's probably only making a hundred, 150 grand a year max. Really? You know what I thought was intriguing was is is in the dark side of the ring when uh, Bret Hart signed his twenty year one point five million dollar contract. Yeah, you would think it'd be so much years for one million. Vince McMahon got a great deal out of that. Exactly, you got to think about that, and that's the kind of contracts that can get signed in wrestling because. Whether or not your body will be able to last that 20 years, your mind will at least. And if you don't, then whatever, you'll die, you know. But as long as you're willing and able, you can contribute in some aspect for the next 20 years and they can lock you down for that. And you might sign it because of security. But then you look at that money, $1.2 million for 20 years, 
20 years ago. Right. Money. Here we are in 2020, you know, in 2000, someone was like, yeah, man, I'll pay you a million dollars or whatever to do this. You take it or I would, you know, being a kid, but whatever. Uh, nowadays though, for 20 years, if you want to lock me down, I'm looking at guys in the NFL that are, you know, only going to be good for two of their, you know, half their contract that are getting $150 million for four years. I'm like, yeah, no, you want me for 20. That's 75,000 a year only. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. It's not, not the most glamorous lifestyle. Like people think it's, it's a passion. Well, even if it was the 1.5 every year for 20 years, you still got to think about that. I mean, that's the WCW, and that's what they were doing then. They were just throwing money at people. But still, 1.5 million every year for 20 years when you're Brett fucking Hart. You're you're making more than that in refreshment sales. You than that. Yeah, right? you're, you're, in concession sales, you're making more than that. If you were to go home, they're going to lose more money than that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we've reached the uh, two-hour limit, so let's take a bathroom break. I'll play a little music, mute us out. You guys meet back up here in a minute, two minutes. You good with that? All right, guys, hold back. We'll we'll be right back, okay? All right, guys, we're back. So what were some of your wrestling names, Nick? So uh, obviously Nick Johnson, that's my, my shoot name. That was the first one. But then uh, really gimmick Nick I came Johnson. up with as a kid that I actually do still own that I did use for a little bit was uh, Angelo. And uh, kind of like a suave, Rigo Suave type, uh, you know, luchador based around oranges. Uh, and that kind of evolved into the gimmick that, honestly, I'm not even sure if I could, I could probably say the name of it. I mean, but they... They fake raised me. In fact, they found a guy that looked like me and had him use my name, but it uh, was Nikki Naranja. So Nikki Orange in Spanish, but like a Tarantino so, villain. Can you speak of um, the fact that you were, um, you can talk about your ethnicity, but you have a Middle Eastern vibe and how yeah, that yeah. So, was a hot thing for you for a while? I'm Italian and Native American, actually, but I uh, played a play the Mexican on TV is what I like to say. Uh, I'm not Hispanic. Uh, in fact, I really don't even know too much Spanish, but I've spent three years of my life being Hispanic. And <laughs> it's a it's a fine line to tread between uh, being being funny and being good or being, you know, a little too much. And uh, I feel like I did a decent enough job. Uh, people believed me, at least. So that's, that's enough for me to, to do it. But yeah, no, that was that was definitely it. But when it comes to planning out some new gimmicks, I'm kind of trying to stray away from that. As you know, we talked about it a little bit. I'm planning a planning a pretty big comeback. I'm actually about to film something here pretty soon, kind of a uh, really cinematic uh, viral video of of me wrestling that uh, I've been working on with talking to some some filmmaker, you know, directors and some people that that might help me out with it. And that'll be coming soon, but. Uh, yeah, you know, trying, to give it to, to us, and we'll promote the shit out of it. So, yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, no, it's basically a gimmick based off of a uh, Egyptian god, more or less. So, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, Who are you going to be? Yeah, Anubis. All right. So, uh, being Native American, my spirit animal, according to my grandmother, is the wolf. So, uh, I felt like going by, you know, a god would be apropos. And I've always loved ancient Egypt, and I'm like, well, you know, playing something I'm not definitely. Helps a little bit because it's easy to become someone you're not whenever you have to be yourself. It's always the tough part. Whenever you can 
find a good happy medium between the two. That's where the magic happens, in my opinion. So if I'm myself turned up to 11 and I can throw in a little bit of fiction as well, that's where I kind of get onto something. And so I came up with this whole Anubis character where I'm just a guy that was visiting the, the pyramids and got basically go, uh, not Ghostbusters, but uh, Space Jam style, like the, the, the Monstars, how they went into, you know, Charles Barkley knows and stuff. Like I want to film something along those lines of myself being taken over by the spirit of Anubis. And at this point I'm more of a supernatural kind of over the top can be baby face, can be healed more of an in between who knows what I could do. But, uh, I'm thinking the, the cinematic route could be something different and something really cool. It's a little bit of a play of what I was doing before, but doing it on my own with my own ideas could be a uh, very profitable. And that's kind of what, we're actually probably going to see this weekend with WrestleMania and with a lot of other wrestling moving forward because of no crowd. I think that's the best way to alleviate it for me to be able to film something here on my property. I'm not going to have a crowd of people, right. but I'm doing some really cool stuff cinematic that would be very entertaining. And you look at guys like you spoke of the Hardy boys earlier, Matt Hardy completely reinvented his career, came up with this new gimmick that he was broken and uh, that he is, you know, not even Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy's his vessel. Honestly, kind of sounds similar now that I'm speaking it into existence to what I was talking about, but a little bit different. And uh, he filmed a lot of stuff on, you know, his own time with his own producers. And it was very cinematic, very cool, uh, calling it all like the final deletion, delete or decay, total nonstop deletion, any of those you could YouTube. And it's very entertaining, but wrestling in a in a new light. I mean, nobody ever said wrestling has to be one way. And that's how I've always looked at it. I want to put my own stamp, my own twist. I'm not Brock Lesnar. I'm not Goldberg. I'm not a big muscle guy. I never will be. And, uh, but I have a good brain. I'm big, I'm big up here and big up in here. And that I feel like is what sets me apart from others and and down there. And, uh, (laughs) all right, take it easy. But, you know, that's that's what sets me apart from the rest. And I think I can uh, I have a lot of ideas that are different. There it is. <laughs> a lot of ideas that have uh, not been seen before that I can I can really do and, and change some minds and get some eyes on, on myself as well as the people around me. You know what? I think our podcast is actually pumping you up a little bit. No, no, listen to you. It's just you. Nick, let, let me ask you a question. And this is going to be another one of those where we get deep questions for a second. Okay. <clears throat> Let's do it. With the things that have happened with the promoter that you teamed up with, mm-hmm. and he kind of, I mean, if we're going to be honest, he kind of fucked you on a couple deals here. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More than time. And, and we don't need to get into names or anything, but. With this being your dream in life and him doing what he did, we've got to, there's got to be a point in your brain where you're scared to even show ideas to people, where you're very protective over everything you do. And Mm -hmm. I think at a certain point, being protective over you is a safe bet, but at a point it will hinder you. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've definitely just... Granted, this was somebody, I'll never forget the, the quote that he told me on the phone that night whenever we had that conversation. I said, what are you talking about, man? We've been friends since day one. And he said, Nick, that's where you're wrong. It's been business since day one. And I will never forget those words. Uh, I mean, that that opened up my eyes a lot, and it changed my view on not just the business but on life. 
and uh, know who your friends are, know who it is just business with. What do they say? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. A hundred percent. And I mean, I, I know what I brought to the table and I know that they, he, as well as the other people that were there, they all knew. And that's why they still use my ideas after they, they let me go. And that's fine. Like I said, no hard feelings. There's a business. You never learn, man. You will never sign a contract like that again. Oh, yeah. No, I will never sign a contract again, especially without reading. You're a young guy. Like, you're not even 24 yet. Hashtag plug for next week, Saturday. Anyway, uh, no, Nick's, I can personally attest, Nick's a great guy. He's very passionate about what he does. And what I think is cool about Nick is he really has a an idea a goal and a big picture thing. And he knows it's all kind of working toward that. And half the battle is this. When, when, when I got done playing at Baylor, I, I had nothing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I coached my couple of years and I got out of it. He's way ahead of the game and real life stuff. He's been through the, the ringer literally. Get it? And, uh, Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, no. He has a good head on shoulders. He's a sharp guy too. So sky's the limit for Nick. I really do appreciate that, man. No, it's uh nobody said it would be easy, but uh I I take everything in stride, you know, and every 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 setback is another opportunity to go forward. So I'm not I, I don't ever take anything too too personally or anything too hard uh, too hard to the heart. I just keep on moving and last year was tough i mean not only did you know the injury happen then i get i get cut and then one of my best friends passed away and just everything just hit all at once and it was enough to it was enough to make me stay home for a little while but it just made that hunger grow and as i sat there watching my peers pass me up and as i sat there watching all these things happen and opportunities come up that i said no to uh kind of made me think like what, what are you doing get up just get back up so, so, Nick, if you don't mind, can we talk about that for a minute? I know it's yeah. kind of dark, but and it's kind of personal. But when you're sitting there and everything's coming down on you, like you said, you at a at a certain point you said, "I got to get back out there. I got to do this." Yeah. What's going through your head at the beginning of that, though? Man, uh, at the beginning, it was a lot of days sitting in the, the back porch by the pool, uh, drinking. From the moment I sat there to the moment I got up, which was not, you know, it was there more often than not, and they're just thinking and thinking and not not coping in the healthiest of ways. But uh, honestly, what what helped was what has always helped me, and I just I turned back to wrestling. I just you know I started getting find something new to watch find, or find something old to rewatch, and just start watching these matches and find that fire again, find something that reignites me, and. Uh, I mean, this this most recent, you know, this past year, it was AEW that definitely got me hyped back up for it. And I was like, man, these are guys that I worked with, you know, within this past year. And then now it's starting to happen in WWE. I've got guys that are wrestling on Monday Night Raw that I was sharing a ring with a year ago from this day. And so I'm like, all right, well, if they're there and they were just where I was a year ago, I could be there if I wouldn't have fucking wallowed in my pity for so long. So now it's at that point where it's the only person that's going to stop me is me. People can try, but it's my world to make. I'm young. Five years from now, I, I hope 
to be able to be sitting here talking with you guys as a WWE champion, but who knows, you know, uh, for now, I'm going to keep plugging away and keep doing what I do. And if I get set back, I keep moving forward. So was you there, did. was there ever, at, I'm sorry, Jeff, uh, was there ahead, ever buddy. at a point when, when we're in this phase, right? Where you're drinking and, and there's, there's gotta be a lot of anger there. Oh yeah. A lot of anger, a lot of Definitely. anger, a lot of self-loathing. Um, kind of walk us through that man because that that's the most interesting thing to me because you see peaks and valleys and a lot of people can't come out of those valleys and yeah. so when you when you when you do things like this it's amazing to me that people go you know what fuck this i i gotta turn this around and because a lot of people can't do that mentally and even yeah. more than physically. So kind of, can you walk us through that where there there's anger and there's self-loathing and there's all this stuff where I'm not good enough and I'm not this and I'm not that. Well, see, there is that anger and there is all of that, but there, at the end of the day, I, it's not that I was lucky enough, but I've, uh, I've had a lot of stuff also happen out, outside of the wrestling life that has made me into who I am today and uh, times where I've lived and I've learned. And so I was, you know, raised by a single teenage mother who taught me whenever shit gets bad get back up and uh it's it's never been something that i i let keep me down for too long i might for a little bit i might you know i, I will have that period where i i feel like all all hope is lost and woe is me but i try my best not to let that last too long and actually i mean i met i met jeff around that period of time where i was at rock bottom and uh friendship i, I spawned with him helped a lot a lot of the people that you keep around you know surround yourself with people that build you up and not break you down is jeff not the nicest guy you've ever met in your entire life 100 i'm i'm not joking he is he can tell you there's the most he is the most genuine loving caring guy that i've ever met in my entire life there were numerous sad drunk depressed nights while i was going through this this past year with jeff where i called or texted him and just needed somebody to talk to and he was always there great guy See Jeff, I told you. It means a lot you say that, and actually, that's, try to humanize you. No, 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 no. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like that's my calling, man. That that um, I'm in sales and do this, but I, I really feel connecting to people and being empathetic and non-judgmental and uh, receiving of whatever it is, because we all have stuff, man. And I I have so much imperfection that how can I judge or not? put somebody else up on a pedestal when they need it. So I totally uh, appreciate you saying that. It means a lot to me because I really try to, I really try to be that way. Well, and another uh, it's a story I tell a lot actually to people that Jeff and I know mutually about like how we met, we, we hung out, you know, together probably, you know, over at the Eagles point, another plug for it, but we hung out there together probably three, four times before either of us ever talked about, our past before I ever knew he played quarterback for Baylor before he ever knew I'd wrestled on TV. We just, you know, hit it off as friends before that. And then once we got into that and we found, you know, where we did have similarities and differences and got to know each other more, it, the friendship grew, but he was there for me whenever I was at a low point, he didn't know why or what was going on, but was still able to you know, be a beacon in that. And that's good people for that. And there's not many like you. There is not. Uh, that's why he's my co-host. So let's uh, let's get to some questions. We want to bring it back up. We don't want everyone depressed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, 
Thoughts about Brock Lesnar and his stink in the UFC? So, this might be controversial, judging by the way you worded that. I just had this conversation the other day. Somebody, I, uh, I posted one of those things through the, the quarantine, made me choose between two wrestlers, and somebody said Brock Lesnar or Kane. And uh, that was a tough one because, you know, Kane, fantastic, one of the best. But with Brock Lesnar, man, he damn well might be the greatest combat athlete of all time. I mean, when have we ever seen somebody dominate – every aspect of the game the way that he has ufc he went in there and you called it a stink but i kind of find trouble calling it that he was a two-time heavyweight champion he held that belt for a while the only person that could beat him was frank Mir. uh we all have that one person that can beat us but i mean i think going there and dominating the way that he did dominating in collegiate wrestling the way that he did uh and then dominating in the wwe the way that he did it's hard to argue. I mean, I like I said, I'd put him in the main event of any card, and I know I'm going to draw. All right, so we've got a guy that's Ultimate asked. Uh, Mortal Kombat Final of the Tower, sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, we, we've had this question um, come across a couple times, so we got to ask it. And this is a guy that runs a movie review podcast, so okay. here we go. Thoughts on the wrestler movie. I loved that movie. I did too. It is heartbreaking and beautiful and very, very honestly true. That's a a sad look into the business. Granted, these days, not as much anymore. You're not going to find your your big name working at, at the Kroger Deli Mart. But granted, I mean, I've had people come up to the bar that I work at and recognize me from wrestling and it happens. I mean, we, we're all people at the end of the day and the life that he lived is very true to some of the life that some of these people live and it takes over. It really does. I mean, luckily I know I'm on dads who drink. I'm a dog dad. I guess that helps me qualify a little bit, but I'm, I'm not a father. I couldn't imagine having a child and being able to wrestle full time, but there, these guys do that. I couldn't imagine any, I mean, 30 years from now, my life, if I keep, going the trajectory that I plan to go, my quality of life 30 years from now is not going to be as good as it is right now. And I already know that, but the memories that I will make along the way and the life that I will build for myself and my family after is worth every second of it. And well, the quality of your life may be way better. Actually, I will say well, it will quality be. Of life, yeah, yeah, but the physicality and decline of that may not be what it you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. But I can tell you right now of all my football days, all the all my great things that I feel like I hold true and dear. The podcast is your best. My the podcast is there. My <laughs> my wife, my family, being a father, um, my extended family, um, all those things are the most important. And and yeah. it's almost like I've left like those other days are like a different person. And now is where I'm at. You know what? Right now is fan. Freaking tastic! It's all chapters and, in a book. You know what? I, I missed some things I could do before, whether it's doing them athletically or agilely or without hurting. But where I'm at now, I would rather be no other place. I have exactly what I want, and there's something to be said for that. And yeah. I think we'll get there too, man. It's just whatever your story is, it's just not written yet. I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I would. I would go through it. The last year with all that all that happened last year, I would I would do it again because it makes me who I am and I'm smarter because of it. 
and I think I'm going to be better off one day. And one day, whenever they make the document, the wrestling documentary about me, uh, it'll be a great. I'm story. first. I don't know if you can see, but I have a lot of movies behind me. Oh yeah, I do a lot of movie reviews. I'll be first. Yeah, I think in... you set up. I was saying I should have put all my memorabilia that's in my room up on the walls behind me, but. So um, let's talk about the titles that you've had. Oh, yeah. uh, as far as that goes, it's, that's very few and far between. That, uh, I, but uh, I, I did hold one with EWA as the Berserker, but that was I was the evil owner that booked myself to that. But uh, <laughs> By the way, that's a great story, though. Wrestling were oh, well, they're talking about that, too. But yeah, I mean, I thought you were talking about... You were five by Texas, right? Uh, 4A whenever I was there. Yeah, that's that's pretty big. That, I'm talking about all your titles. Oh yeah, no the state the state titles that was that was unreal. Uh, honestly, because I'm I'm six foot three, you know, two or five on, on a good day. And uh, but then I, back then I was especially sophomore year, my first one. I was heavier. I was one around one fifty five. I weighed in around one fifty two usually. Uh, How tall were you? Uh, probably sophomore year. I was probably about five foot eight. And okay. I mean, I was, so I mean, I was, I had a little bit of weight to me, but, uh, that was what I cut down to. But then by the time I got to my senior year, I was coming off a hamstring injury. I'd hit my growth spurt. I went from being like five, eight to six, three. My coach was like, you know what? Like you're coming off this injury and you know, you put on some weight, you're taller. You're not going to be able to compete with the people in your weight. How far can you cut? And I was like, let's find out cut down to 148 and holy shit ridiculous i killed myself almost but it was it worked because i cut down i'd make weight and then i'd be about 158 160 by the time the fight came around and i just laid on people it was easy (laughs) (laughs) so so let's talk about that just the sheer self i guess discipline you would say that it takes to do oh, that. Man. Is I it worth all that it? To my high school coach, Coach Whittle, man, he, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that without him. He would literally text me throughout the day, make sure I was chewing gum and spitting into a bottle and like just cutting every little bit of weight I could. I had to, it'd be 110 degrees outside in the middle of, you know, Texas heat. And I'd have to have a, you know, sweatshirt, hoodie, really? layers, all that, just sweating my ass off all day long. I reeked a body odor for years. It was it was the worst. There's nothing you could do because I'm just like, yo, I'm cutting weight. You know, it was only for a few months at a time that I had to do it, and then I'd be back to my bullshit. But so so was, when you do that though, Nick, is it I worth it? In, is it? But is it worth it in your brain? Like, what is going through your brain once again to say, man, this is worth it? I feel like shit, but I'm gonna dominate when it comes to it. Way, in a weird way, that that actual hunger makes you mentally hungry also and it puts you in a mindset that you're you're doing this to yourself to be able to fight this person and so you're damn sure gonna win that's how i like that hey beast mode yeah you know like i i'm miserable right now so that i can beat the hell out of that guy tomorrow you know that that kind of mindset and uh it it worked for me and so so speaking of cutting weight it's, it can get pretty controversial because some of the MMA fighters they cut weight and, and they're in these like they need a medical person to overlook them cutting weight because they're dropping a lot sometimes what 15 20 pounds of weight. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, make their it's, high so weight. it's that's honestly, and, I think the most dangerous part about combat sports is absolutely. cutting weight. Absolutely, 
easily. People are passing out left and right just because they're trying to make weight. And then that night, you know, you, you weigh in the night before the fight or the, right. and, and that night you carb load. So you'll gain 10 pounds in one night as much as you physically can. You just eat, eat, right. eat, eat because you've already weighed in. And so you want to go in there as heavy as you can now that you've made weight. So those guys get their strength back, Nick, and are they at full capacity compared to what they train at without cutting? Or what is it? Is it somewhere in between? Or I feel like that kind of person person. care of the rest. For me, I I would eat a lot of cheesecake and pizza. I'm not even lying. Shitty food, and yeah, I wouldn't feel that good, but it would get my weight up so quick that it didn't matter if I feel good. I'd be so much heavier than the other guy that it wasn't as hard, and that. Still, I, like I said, not healthy at all. I mean, I still pay for that with stomach issues and stuff, but it's cutting weight is, is scary. And I I wish that there was a way to regulate that a little bit more, but I don't think that'll ever change as long as we have combat sports. Because, I mean, it's what you do is you basically get down to the lowest weight that you possibly can while being able to gain it back. And that's the weight that you choose to fight at. Right. And so these guys, especially like in the UFC or whatever, that it's super strict, they're one pound off, you know, some of these guys like that go between being heavyweights and light heavyweights. You got to think about that. These guys, when they're heavyweight, they're wrestling at 265 to be a light heavyweight. They got to be 205. You look at, you know, Daniel Cormier or John Jones or something like that, you know, that go back and forth. That's a huge difference, huge difference. Right. And uh, to be able to cut that, down is one thing but your fighting weight is always a different weight than what you weigh in at and so that's you see guys left and right that you watch you'll be watching it and you're like damn there's no way this is fair that guy's so much bigger than him but they weighed in the same it's yeah it's crazy nick have you ever seen the movie bleed for this oh it sounds familiar it's about the boxer that was the pasmanian devil and uh, he became, yeah, movie. he became it, it, it. He became the champion. Then he had a car wreck. Uh, his best friend got killed. He was pretty much immobile. They put him in a bed for like six months, and he brought this trainer in to, and and that's what your story kind of reminds me of, where you'll do whatever it takes to. And it's not that extreme. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that extreme. But what I'm saying is you'll do whatever it takes to get there. And that's that's the amazing thing to watch in the spirit of competition is. And I think as a whole world, we've kind of lost that spirit of competition with each other. We all just want to kind of get along and everyone be this and give out medals for just showing up to it. Can you can you kind of speak to losing kind of that fire of competition we'll see like the way i see it is if you care about something or if you want to do something and if it means that much to you why would you not give it everything that you have you know if if something if, if, if i'm going to do anything i'm going to give it 110 percent. i'm not going to half-ass do anything because we only have so much time you know i'm only going to be this young and this able for so long so w- with these years i'd rather use it throwing myself off a, you know, a 30 foot ladder, getting super kicked with thumbtacks in my mouth or being set on fire, then, you know, sitting behind a desk, punching numbers. I can do that in 30 years. You know, I, I'm going to give everything 110% right now, every day. And I'm going to live every day. Like it's my last. And if I'm not trying my hardest, then I shouldn't even be there. So question for you. So 
How do you, we talked about this before. You feel like a women's professional wrestling is like on the up and up, right? I honestly would rather watch most women's matches these days than men. I think, uh, first of all, we have a lot of female followers because Dustin is like really hot. So, so stupid. You're so wrestling. dumb, man. I think, well, so like, obviously, like, women's wrestling 20 years ago was not wrestling. It was a, uh, you know, TNA, TNA show, you know, it was a, it was kind of, it was bullshit and it was, you know, degrading or whatever. And as a drunk, you know, dad there with your kids while they're watching their superheroes, it's a nice little, you know, break. Or, you know, as a, a kid that's like an adolescence learning about life, it's also great. But if the guys are going to be out there dressed just as skin, you know, wearing tights and shit, actually competing and doing athletic and art, what's the difference from the girls? Why do they have to be a sideshow? And right. what, what happened was finally some things started to change. And this a lot happened with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. She was the two of them were the biggest proponents started saying, like, no, these girls are capable of just as much, if not more. And so Ric Flair's daughter was one of the first real ones, and she's probably the, the best women's wrestler of all time. She's still going. So, uh, Nick, if I could jump in there, yeah. I, I, I would say, and maybe you'll disagree, Trish Stratus probably oh, propelled yeah. it into oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, it started with Trish and Lita. They were the first two women to ever main event. And China. I mean, you, we can't forget China. China. It was yeah. a little bit of a, 100%. It's, a, little a it's a little different because she was with DX and kind of the bad she was wrestling man. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah. Trish but and Trish, Lita. Like, absolutely. Wrestling. Yeah. And Trish was great. And, and Lita was with Trish. the Hardy Lita boys. Well. Uh, Molly Holly, Michelle McCool, all of them. But uh, they were just, great talents at a bad time of wrestling. And so if they would have been around today, it would be lights out. But, you know, today we do have the Charlotte Flares, you know, and then uh, there's a bunch of others that are out there too. Some second generation, some are just new faces that have been found. And these women wrestlers are doing some crazy things. And that is one thing the WWE does better than anyone else is women's wrestling. And I mean, just last year, the main event of WrestleMania last year was a woman's match. That says a lot about where we're at. The biggest show ever that they draw millions and millions of dollars off of, main evented by women. You know, we have a hard time deciding all that, but, you know, you look at uh, Ronda Rousey's success at the UFC. Um, I actually think she, well, more recently maybe, helped, and she's in wrestling now too, right? Uh well a little bit back and forth. Was, her last match was actually that main event of WrestleMania last well, year. And she kind of she kind of took the ghost of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy, that there's no doubt it transferred it over in every other uh women uh wrestling sport. Well, it gets more eyes on it, makes it more believable for sure. Just like having Brock come over, just like in the nineties having Mike Tyson come out and you know have, fight with Stone Cold. Uh, I mean, they've been doing that forever. Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather fought uh, Big Show one year. You bring in an actual combat athlete, put him up against a professional wrestler, and all of a sudden it makes it more legit. Um, and at the end of the day, though, that's kind of the natural progression I'm feeling like we're seeing with these UFC fighters and these boxers is they're starting to kind of make the jump to WWE. Conor McGregor, he'll be there. Any, I mean, it's a matter of time. So let me ask you, Nick, Nick, real fight. UFC versus some badass wrestlers. Who wins? Depends on who. <laughs> okay. Mean, Let's say Conor McGregor versus, I'll give you a bigger guy. 
How about uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin? Stone Cold's too old. He's too slow. Well, no, even okay. in his prime, even in his prime, I still well, think give me a, give me a formidable foe. The stories of Macho Man being in a Waffle House and fighting off seven Marines while they had knives pulled on him. Like, I mean, they, some of these wrestlers I would not fuck with. Some of them, I mean, are just normal guys like you know the rest of us that are not that aggressive. But they know how to fight, but I mean. It's, it, it just it goes it depends i mean you got it like i said you, i've told you this before you got to know how to do it and hurt somebody to know how to do it and not some hurt, hurt somebody good point but ming was a badass is that ming off of uh flash gordon <laughs> oh yeah haku yeah uh him as well as uh his uh his brother there there's some some mean people bad uh bad luck what was his name? Drawing a blank. Anyways. So, I think we've pretty much dug into every secret compartment yeah. you had hidden away. At least for now, yeah. I'm, I'd love to come back sometime. Man, you, you, you've been awesome. But I want to get to what you really wanted to talk about tonight. The Tiger King. I st- on my, my refrigerator right there. I, it would always Bring it, bro. That bitch, Carol Bass. There you go. By the way, you're welcome to stay on for the whole show if you want. I'll what? stick around for a little bit. I might have to take a quick little break here in a second and let the dogs out. But other than that. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, little doggies. No, dogs. he's doing it. Oh, my God, Jeff. Come on, man. Mike Jones? No, he. <laughs> Who let the dogs out, man? Oh my uh, God! Who the hell cares? <laughs> hell yeah! No, he's he's doing a Baja Boys joke. We we had this convo with other people. Who was the biggest pos piece of shit on Tiger King? That bitch Carol Baskin. There you go. That fucking bitch Carol Baskin. What do you think about Doc? Doc, that was the uh, the dude that whenever they were talking about the husbands or whatever, he's like, I don't give a shit. That was him, right? He was the one that had like the nine wives. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Y'all's wives are watching, so I'll just save that for another day. No, go ahead. They don't. Trust me. But, I mean, hey, man, he seemed pretty cool. I actually posted something earlier. Apparently, he was uh, Britney Spears' personal tiger handler for her tour. Really? Uh no, that was actually that was actually Carol Baskins. Oh really? Yeah, I saw like a picture of him there. She actually was at the uh, MTV Music Awards when Britney Spears did the snake and all the tigers and everything. Carol Baskins, if you look at a picture, is sitting right next to her in the audience. Serious? Yeah. Crazy. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find it. Give me a second. You guys, yeah, no, yeah, you guys guy, keep talking. All that, that guy was crazy. That was, that was oh, cool, man. Uh, that shows a trip. It's so, right in our backyard. Um, uh, I thought that Jeff Lowe guy was t- super douchey, but <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, he might be the worst. But uh, uh, Joe Exotic, he didn't sing his real songs. We've come to find out. Um, Joe Exotic was gay. As you know, would you have had sex with him? 
Depends on how many tigers and how much meth. I'm just kidding. Totally <laughs> no, no, no. Only if you wore the padlock cock ring. I might wear tights for a living, but I, I do st tend to st stray one way, and it's not that way. <laughs> More That's power funny. to me. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Joe Exotic. That what a, what a character, though. Honestly, so what, that was the, what was the what was the great which episode or what? What part of Joe Exotic did you find the the most intriguing? You know what? My favorite part of the entire thing, and it, maybe it's just the wrestler in me, and this is maybe something I uh, something I could see myself doing, was whenever his employee got the arm bitten off and he out of nowhere finds an EMS bomber jacket and he just throws it on out of nowhere. He's like, oh, somebody's in trouble. Time for the EMS jacket. Throws it on. He's like, all right, guys, y'all want refunds or discounts? All right, you know, smoking a cigarette. What's <laughs> up? Yeah, you need some help. I got the jacket. Don't worry. Like, just... That guy is larger than life. I feel like if he would have been a manager for a wrestler, like he'd be like Captain Lou Albino on steroids, like something. Yes, Captain Lou Albino. Oh, his his best moment was Cindy Lauper. He's even got the name Joe Exotic. What a name, Joe Exotic. Um, yeah, and he's, he's actually that was the article that I brought up was that he was transferred down here for coronavirus. Yeah, go on to those articles if you want, Dustin. Let's All right. let's go through it. Next Greg has he has a a lot of uh witty witty ideas. Okay, let me ask you, who would you nick since you're a single guy? Who would you do first? Carol Baskin? Oh my god, what is wrong with you, Jeff? Or I think another girl in there. There wasn't. Snaggletooth's wife. What? Listen, Nick, it, we're getting to the point where <laughs> drunk Jeff is coming out. Oh, no, no it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Snaggletooth, like, the one. Never mind. We never saw Snaggletooth. Well, there was a lot of them, so that's. Fair enough, yeah. I guess I wasn't very accurate I mean, with that. This was the documentary filmed in Oklahoma. All right, so, I'm from Oklahoma, Nick. All right, so uh, Jeff, tell me if you can hear this audio when it comes through. Anything? No. Band known to fans of Tiger King as Joe Exotic is now quarantined for coronavirus in a Fort Worth prison. Joe Maldonado Passage was sentenced to 22 years in prison after being convicted of more than a dozen counts of animal cruelty and. See, the craziest thing to me, I saw this and I'm like, wait a second, we got prisons in Fort Worth? Where the fuck are they? <laughs> Downtown Fort Worth, dude. New jails. Is that a jail or is that a prison? It's a jail. All right. I thought. I guess maybe that's where he is. I'd love to get on that visitor list. Ooh, that's a good idea. <laughs> we should go interview him, Dustin. You think? I'm serious. He would talk to anybody. I bet he would too. You know what? Dangle, dangle, Jeff in front of him with some nail candy, and we'll be all good. That's a great idea. We should go speak. Well. Not during a quarantine. It's not <laughs> Nick, do you have something you want to say about that? Oh, man. Oh, just 
Jeff. I would say we could dangle him in front of Joe Exotic as some male candy, you know. There you go. Talk to us, but... Hey, what does the gay horse eat? Hey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so, um, what about Alan, the guy who drove the jet ski, Nick? That's my spirit animal, honestly. Now that you mention it, uh, I just be pulling up on jet skis the way that he did with my, in, in all my glory, in all my glory, you know, after a day of, a day of day drinking, pulling up, you know, you let the hat off and let the hair fly loose, put the hat back on and drive away because the film crew's there. And I don't that dude did not need a safety vest on. He would have floated. <laughs> that guy was the best. Yeah. So yeah, Nick. What did you want to talk about about this? The floor is yours, man. Oh, I was, yeah. I was oh. down to be involved. I just wanted to hear what y'all had to say. I, I just actually just watched it like yesterday or the day before. So, I, uh, all right. So let's do what we do with everyone else. Five episodes, right? Uh, something like that. Let Let's do what we do with everyone else. Of the top four people, you got Joe Exotic, you got Jeff Lowe, you have Carol, and you have Doc Antle. Okay. Uh, four to one, biggest pieces of shit. Four to one. Oh, biggest is Carol, and then after that, I would probably. What I tell you, Jeff? Uh, what was uh, so? It's not the uh, not Doc, not not Joe. Who was the other one? Uh, Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe. Yeah, yeah. So I put him after Carol, but Carol Jeff Lowe. I mean, because that dude was like going and banging prostitutes, you know, with his wife, uh, using tigers or whatever. I don't know, like. If that's you, that's yeah. you, but not whatever. Doc, Doc yeah. had 16-year-old interns coming to work for him. But then after that, it'd be Doc, because that dude was sketchy, but at the same time, like I did think he actually kind of cared about his animals. And then I'd say Joe is the least piece of shit, because, yeah, he was wild, but... Let me pause you for just a second, Nick. What did I tell you, Jeff? That... Joe Exotic was the least piece of shit of them all. I think because so. he cared about his animals and he wasn't going to let somebody take him from him. I think he stopped caring about his animals. I think he burned his crocodiles up, trying to burn that film up. I also think he abused his mother's money and credit. That's your mother, man. That's your mom. None of them are good people. He just might be the least bad. That's, but that well, might be the, the Did you know that his producer guy... Uh, that guy. He, moved, he moved to Dallas after he left uh, Joe Exotic's place, and his uh, apartment and his studio in Dallas burned up also, and he collected insurance money from it. No shit. Yeah, I, I read so that. He was recently on David Spade's show too. David so Spade has had all those guys on, man. Yeah, well, I'm just saying he might have he might have been the one to set the fire to the Joe Exotic stuff, burn it up. Joe Exotic did that, bro. They no, had no. that camera footage that looked an awful lot like Homeboy. That's all I gotta say. That was Joe Exotic with his hat on. <laughs> Joe with yeah, Joe and uh, Joe Exotic is like. Have you ever seen American Dad? Joe Exotic yeah. is Roger the alien. Right? Yeah, just a gay master of disguise. He was. He did it all. He did it all. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. So this is. DJ? This is the uh, this is the point in the show where we bring people in from the audience. Just tell us yeah. in the comments who wants to come in. You can talk to Nick. You can talk to us. You can ask any questions. Nick, are you okay with that? All good, yeah. 
So just put in the comments who wants to come on. I'll send you a link over and you can uh, jump in with us and talk about it. So while we're waiting on that, uh, yeah. So, Jeffro. DJ. I think it's going well. I do too. <laughs> Nick's a good guest, actually. <laughs> it's a very good guest. He, uh, he out-jumped his high jump pole. The fact why... Wait a minute, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Go back up. What did you just say? He out jumped. He 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 outran his coverage. What are you talking about? He went above and beyond. What's expected out of a guest? Okay, I don't know it's what you're. <laughs> I don't know he what you're talking. Okay, all right. What's what the fuck is wrong with you? What's fucking wrong with you, man? All right. Real bromance happening here, DJ. It's all good. Just don't worry about it. Don't. Have all right. Uh, hey, look. No, I'm. I'm all for it. I'll be the first one to admit. Nick is one of my favorite new people. Same. Hey, Nick, look. He did, hey, by, by the way. Look, we got a great show. You've you've got a you have been a great guest. You've been very knowledgeable, insight, and also you generally are a very well spoken guy. And someone that suffers from mental, you know, like Down syndrome, you're you're very well spoken. <laughs> hey man, peanut butter falcon was actually about me. Did, did I tell you that? Was what? Oh, I said peanut butter falcon was actually based on my life. Did I tell you that? <laughs> man, we're we're losing the PC ratings here now, but <laughs> no, we're not. There's nobody listening. Don't worry. Hey, Nick, DJ has a picture of Jeff at his desk. It's true. Okay. Well, you knew that. I Don't. I picture of Jeff that I revisit every night before bed. Let's just say that. <laughs> Mine is uh, of him in his glory days. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. they had cameras back then? They did. <laughs> hey, you see that jersey, bitch? <laughs> That was the one bowl game I went to. Hell yeah. No, it's all good fun. You know I love you. So, uh, any other thoughts real quick before we get anyone in here? Uh, Josh, Sean, e either of you want to come in? Um, let me know. Uh, I sent a link to Jeff Hunt, but he doesn't seem to be around. I think he might have passed out. Passed out? Because uh, I figure it's one twenty his time, so. Right. Um. What else, Nick? Man, uh, I see you got an NWO hat on, Nick. It's actually not just NWO. This would be the NWO Wolf Pack. So oh. you're talking about like uh, Kevin Nash? Uh, Sting. Okay. Let's go into that a little bit. Is that one of your favorite? What do you think about Sting? Because I'm kind of conflicted on him. I, I honestly, Sting's up in that category with uh, where we were talking about Nigel Guinness earlier. I think anyone that's able to make a Hall of Fame caliber career while not working for Vince McMahon is probably worth a damn. Okay. Jeff Hunt, do you want to come on? I'll send you a link. Uh, he's 
He's, hey, Jeff Hunter, too. Uh, so is all the other guys he mentioned. So, um, what's your normal? Let's walk through real quick before we get um, everyone in here. Walk me through your workout. <laughs> Man, so first off, I absolutely hate cardio. Um, I'm sure we all do, but but you I, need it. Well, it's a camel light every other 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, so. You need it, yes, but it's a different kind of cardio. I could run on a treadmill all day long, and I could still get gassed in a wrestling ring. Uh, the kind of cardio that I've learned works best is um, doing low weight, high reps whenever I'm lifting weights. Uh, so that's more or, more or less what I do these days. You know, I'll have one day a week that I go high weight uh, whenever I am, you know, going full time. And then other than that, it's just low weight something that i could easily knock out 50 60 curls with that weight just to tire my muscles out but keep them going because my my heart my lungs they can make it 60 minutes but my body will give out before that will so as long as my muscles are used to throwing another grown man over my head for 30 minutes and that's the workout that that works best for me diet has a lot to do with it too which i'm not the best at that either but you're a skinny guy i mean you skinny meaning you're slim. You don't have to worry about being fat. Jeff Hunt, uh, I sent you a link. Do what I want, but I, I do have to keep up with it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll get that beer gut real quick. But So uh, let's go through your diet because whatever I try doesn't seem to work. Maybe it's because of the alcohol, but it... Uh, I mean, I, I got to say it. I don't do too, too great on that, but I try to, you know, eat a lot of meat more meat than uh than carbs uh whenever i do eat it's like if i if i eat a burger you know or something like that i'll make it myself but it'll have you know two patties and i'll try to not use a bun if i can or i'll use you know a lighter bun if possible or tortillas or your friend too because it's not a whole lot uh carb wise but i i just try to eat a lot of meat and a lot of veggies usually hey nick what is your give us a couple of your final moves. So, <laughs> granted, like I said, my gimmick was a, a, a Hispanic son of a cartel boss bad guy, right? So I had to preface that before I say the name of this first one. But uh, it was called Border Control, which was uh, my submission <laughs> Border Control. Okay, a, maybe uh, now the the shooter and the uh, Boston Crab or Walls of Jericho, whatever you want to call it. Okay. I'd have the legs crossed, but I stepped over like a Boston crab as opposed to a sharpshooter going through the legs. And uh, so you get that X and that torque on the knees as well as the, the torque on the back. That was one of them. And then the other one was the citrus splash because of the oranges. And uh, it was just a springboard frog splash. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, when it comes to being cheesy and names and stuff, like that's definitely where I uh, I shine. I can. That's the best. I used to carry a bag of cuties over my shoulder and I'd squeeze the oranges in my opponent's mouth, or I put it in their <laughs> mouth and the juice would fly out, or you know, that's squeeze awesome. it in their eyes, or hit them with the bag. And sometimes they'd get turned against me. The oranges would come out, like get the bag. Like Jake the Snake had a snake. I had some cuties. Like all right. I mean, that's Jake the Snake. By the way. When Jake the Snake Snake bit Macho Man, that's not something me. you should want to lose. Not me, not me. That would not. Have... <laughs> you want your snake wants to bite me? Yeah, uh, maybe. You no, know, I hate snakes. 
hate snakes. So for any of the ladies that are watching, and I'm sure there's, I don't know, one or something. Maybe. Or wives. Nick, are you a single man? I am. Very, very single. In fact, like wherever the, if there's a point past it, that's probably where I'm at. Okay. All right. Any reason why? What was that? Any reason why? Oh, time. But I mean, open to it. Just kind of not going to, not going to waste mine or anybody else's time, but I'm always down to climb if anyone wants. I'm here. You know what? I'll test it, Nick. Here's the deal. He's a very intimidating guy. Oh, no. So a lot of ladies just want him for his body. Yeah. I understand. Or all my money, right? I got yeah. <laughs> just or you can make him some breakfast in the morning. I can do that. Actually, ladies, if you are watching, if there's one What's thing. What's your go-to breakfast morning for impressing? Go-to breakfast for impressing? Maybe make some French toast. I'm a big, big proponent of French toast. That's uh, definitely no pancakes or waffles. French toast is where it's at. Uh, you got to get some bacon, sausage, just, you know, a little too foul. Like what was that? Scrambled eggs over easy or over hard. Yeah. See, I, I prefer my eggs like over medium ish. I like that. But can you have scrambled eggs that are over easy or over hard? Aren't they all just scrambled eggs? No, not no scramble or over sunny side up medium. (laughs) I don't think that's what you said. It may not be DJ, but damn it. You know what I meant? (laughs) Okay. 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 Nick, are you rethinking this whole thing? Oh, no. Uh, shit, three hours in. Uh, I know. Look at this guy. <laughs> hey, go Buckeyes. Hey, thanks, Nick. Fuck them. Jeff, you got any questions you want to ask Nick? This is this, this how I get introduced. This is how I get introduced right here. I love you, Jeff. This is Jeff Hunt from the Jeff Needs Help podcast. It's a great podcast. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah, is that, is that better? we talk we talk a little bit of everything well i can definitely i love me some movies i love me some music and obviously i can talk wrestling and a little bit of sports too so yeah that's that's exactly what my podcast is all about actually um uh yeah anything and everything that goes man you've you've done a good job tonight i've really enjoyed it i appreciate it well uh mainly what the podcast is about is passion and you bring that in a in buckets so you like you're totally you're you're totally you're totally up my alley so i enjoy, i enjoyed this whole evening that's a yeah, that means a lot like i said it's my first time doing this so it's good feedback i appreciate that just remember when you get big oh yeah oh no i'll never forget don't don't forget the little people yeah <laughs> no uh no dj's taught me a lot man he gets uh he gets the best out of his guests and he's uh you guys have done a good job tonight no, so honestly it's been easy talking to them for yeah sure. So any, any questions, Jeff, that, that were, you know, that came across your mind when you were, man, I mean, he actually, you guys actually answered a lot of them. Um, thanks to Streamyard, I think that helped out a lot because he was able to, 
to see a lot of my questions as they as they came along. Um, well, you guys just got into we got into the because I was actually thinking earlier, you know me, I'm always looking for the next show. And I was actually leaning more towards when he started when he was uh, uh, Nick was talking about cutting weight and all that kind of stuff. The physical side of it really, really got me interested because you guys know I cut weight for the Arnold. Now it's a little different because. Well, Jeff, you you might want to explain to Nick because he's not he's not up to speed on you yet. So no, no, he, he no most people aren't. <laughs> so so the so the Arnold it's it's simple. I I compete in the Arnold and um, it's as simple as we uh, we bench press in the morning and it's based on your body weight and then we run a five k in the afternoon and um, but the difference is you uh you weigh in and then you bench press within within an hour you know of weighing in based on your body weight yeah so so it's a little unique and then you got to run a 5k probably it's about a about two hours later so you uh you can only cut so much you know what i'm talking about here like yeah, yeah, yeah no 100 percent. yeah you have, that, you have that point <laughs> yeah so and when got, he says the arnold he's talking about arnold schwarzenegger no yeah i know i know what he meant bodybuilding and <laughs> Yeah, they yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm here in Ohio. Yeah, so uh, so I was interested in that because you know we we it's funny because we cut so much, but you can only be so dehydrated and still run a five k. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, that that's what's crazy. The being able to cut and then do a bench press, you know, same as like cutting and then doing wrestling. Yeah, I mean that's you'll be out of breath, but I mean that's still that's more strength based as opposed to to cardio. Cutting weight and then going to run a five k, I. <laughs> would die probably i'd probably just die you probably would never have had me on <laughs> yeah it's kind of no i actually i actually um when you were talking about that cutting for the wrestling so my so like my son like his best friend he was a he was uh he went to state didn't quite win state uh a, a good friend that he went to school with one state in ohio for wrestling. sean turn your volume off <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, no, I, I actually, I actually, there you okay. go. <laughs> so the cutting weight thing really interested me. Um, yeah, I was like, uh, not that I wouldn't listen, but like, I was just saying that's something that interests me. Everything you guys talked about interested me, but you guys, I mean, you know, DJ doesn't cut any corners here. He, he covered, he covered most of it, but, uh, I mean, you're only a year older than my son. So, you know, I, I can, I can totally relate, but, uh, but, but that, but that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of gets me going. Like when you said, when you said two times state champion, that's, that's incredible, man. Right? An injury in between and a growth spurt and everything. I don't know. It was cutting weight was the only thing that was able to get me that second one my senior year. I had to. I mean, I was ran. I was sitting outside of the wrestling season. I was about 165, 170, and I was in good shape. And uh, having to cut down to 148 was very, very, very hard. Uh, yeah. I was eating maybe one meal a day, not even a full meal then, and I was chewing gum all day, spitting in a bottle. Yeah. I had to turn my bottle into my coach at the end of every day of school. My bottle had to be full of spit. Yeah. Uh, really? Those water is a different consistency. He would know it was water. I had to turn that water bottle in full of spit to my coach so that he knew I was that actually crazy in high school. So if I, missed, if I missed weight and I didn't have that bottle to prove I tried, then I'd be doing towel pushes to cut the weight. So so really? so Nick will appreciate this. His his best friend did that exact same thing, and he and he lost. 
and he felt he, he felt he lost because of uh, I mean you get this Nick he felt he lost because of uh, the loss of energy he couldn't quite get back to it and he and he and he didn't win state and he was good enough to win state at probably two weight classes and mm -hmm. uh, that's a huge regret that he has to this day so when you were talking about was a cheesecake and like pizza just something high sugar and high fat that would just make yeah. me feel made me feel like I was myself again at least that night yeah. and the next morning I'd pay for it and I wouldn't really eat before just because of nerves but yeah uh, definitely but you, but you said something you said that it, it uh, still has effects to this day and um that's what got me because it does that's a, that's a that's a long lasting repercussion as a grown man my appetite like i could sit there you know and have lunch with my other my other buddies and they'll sit there and tear up you know three four pounds of crawfish or something you know or you know a ton of wings and i'll eat my, my little portion and i'll be good but i'll eat six times a day you know, small portions but i can't i can't just eat a ton anymore because of cutting weight and stomach will hurt the next day or I gotta, I gotta be careful with the portion control, and that's all probably because of cutting weight. Oh, it, it absolutely. I was, growing, I was shrinking my stomach, basically. Yep, and it'll come back as you get older. Like you're still young, you're still really, really young guy. As you get older, that comes back. But uh, that, that was probably of, of all the stories you told. That, that that's what kind of uh, I really, I really dug into that. I don't know why. That's just kind of. Sean, do you have any uh, questions you want to ask Nick? Yeah, Nick. Hey, um, great show, by the way. Thank uh, you very much. That was uh, about two, three hours of great uh, entertainment. Um, being from Ohio, being a, um, I'm a little older, so I'm, I, I kind of watched the. Uh, I really was into wrestling. I remember watching on Saturday mornings, um, old school, when it was just starting out, but. Um, was there ever a time I know, like, so you were born in what, 96? Mm -hmm. um, Jeez. When, when, was it you, when was it you really got into wrestling, watching it on TV? Was it? I would say 2000. My first memory, at least, of wrestling was 2002. Uh, I was about six or seven, and my older brother, we were sitting in his room, and I'll never forget, we were in between like his bed and his dresser sitting on the floor hiding because we were supposed to be asleep. And we had put like a towel so that my mom couldn't see the light from the TV going out of the door. And we're sitting there and he turns on, I think it was SmackDown. And the main event was Big Show and Eddie Guerrero. And Big Show was the heavyweight champion. And I kept asking him like, uh, I was like, well, yeah, no, of course he's the heavyweight champion. Why are you rooting for him? He weighs so much more than that guy. Like, he, of course he's heavyweight. And, and that night he explained everything to me and I, I don't think I missed a show after that. I was, I was hooked from the get go. That's cool. Yeah. I, then obviously, like I, I said, watched I, all of go, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. No. Um, so who were the, um, who was the main villain then when you were starting watching the, uh, I would say JBL was probably top villain at that point. Cause I mean, I was definitely like getting SmackDown was the first thing I saw. And so it was the one I watched and then I got into raw and I started seeing edge and Kane and, and those guys. But I definitely remember JBL being the, uh, the main, the main bad guy more or less whenever I started getting into it, which was Bradshaw. Right. Did you watch, um, did you ever like flip back and forth from the two, um, main shows night tonight 
or uh, WCW to WWE. Yeah. yeah. So that was actually right before my time. But uh, okay. I have, it's, it, I mean, granted, we're all here for wrestling, obviously. So, like, it's not that much to be ashamed about. But I am, quote, unquote, ashamed to admit that I, as a child, spent literally every second of my life that I could watching wrestling. And I've gone back. I've watched I've watched stuff from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I've seen it all. I, I know it all. And if I haven't seen it, I still know what happened because I've watched documentaries and this and that. So I might be young, but I at least have like a knowledge of what happened or I might have seen it after the fact. There's a lot of stuff I wish I could have seen live, but can't can't change when we're born, I guess. You yeah, know? that's cool. So, so what about you, Sean? What's that? What about you? Uh, I remember watching it in the late 80s on saturday mornings saturday um, night main event or whatever it was yeah it was it was uh saturday it was on one day a week and then um and then i kind of eh, i watched it intermittent here and there and then i remember in the early 90s or ma- mainly the mid 90s uh having guys over doing pay-per-views um i mean Really, I stopped watching religiously when The Rock and Stone Cold uh, and those guys kind of went on and yeah. and they either left or you know The Rock did his own thing. But um, I haven't I haven't really kept up with it since probably two thousands. Well, see, that's what I always love because most of the people that I talk to these days stopped watching around the same time that you did. But for me, that's around whenever I really kind of started yeah. watching you know right and uh so i i lived through those bad times and you know became a fan and i think i around 2008 2009 is whenever i did actually stop watching for a little bit and then i got back into it a few years later but uh those those years were not not great nothing to write home about but nowadays like I, i've said it a few times like we are a hundred percent in a renaissance and you don't even have to watch wwe to be a wrestling fan anymore you could i mean we now have AEW on tnt which you ha- if you have not checked it out yet i very much recommend all of you guys please go home and watch that or watch it on uh, i don't know if it's on hulu but just set it to record or something if you got cable still but whatever you do, it's all over youtube yeah, it's everywhere it's all over youtube also and uh and then also just new japan pro wrestling uh you know, go on YouTube, look up PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. You don't, it's not just the WWE anymore. Wrestling as a whole has blown up again. We're seeing a resurgence. You do have the ability to flip back and forth between channels again by having multiple companies on network television. And uh, it's, they're getting a lot of money. Fox paid four, $4.2 billion just to have SmackDown. Jeez. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. It's on Fox Four now. It's like four point two billion that they paid just to air SmackDown. So, uh, Jeff and Sean, who are y'all's favorite wrestlers of all time? Oh man, my it's mine. I'm just gonna say Hulk because of how much. I mean, I came. I am right in the wheelhouse of the oh, yeah. uh, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud. Like that was that was a great you know five or six years. My favorite from that era is Macho Man. Uh, yeah. I went into the whole thing. Awesome, dude. I think Macho Man had it all. He could do it in the ring and on the mic. Hulk, though, I mean, it's next to Brock Lesnar. The two of them are probably the two biggest draws in the history of wrestling. Yeah. You know, it's weird, like, looking back, I might seem like the young guy comparing the new guy to the old guy, but I'm looking at wrestling as a whole. 
Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, and Brock oh, yeah. Lesnar are the three biggest draws in the history of the business. Yeah, I was say it's a it's an age thing, and it's it's when I was watching it, and um, yeah. it, it was it was a different it was a different way you devoured it then. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a different activity at that point too, completely. Yeah. So so Nick, I I like I could dig into this a little bit, but as a as an I don't want to I don't know how to say this uh, as a competitive wrestler in high school and as a professional wrestler that you do what what what's the correlation like what what crosses over out outside of just you know grappling obviously yeah yeah. um so just the for me it's the i still approach it the same way in my head uh i I mean at the end of the day even though i'm not out there looking for blood when i'm going out there in a professional wrestling sense i am still going out there to do what i do at the best level i can do it and to show that i'm better than everyone else out there and uh that's that's the biggest correlation that i have between the two as well as just the the discipline um like I said, outside of the obvious, I'm trying not to just say, you know, oh, yeah, we grapple, you know, I'm going to shoot the no, leg here and shoot the leg there. But no, I, think, uh, I think that's actually a great answer. Like that it, it, you, you went more mental than you did physical. So that's mm-hmm. a great answer. I won't, I won't drag it out too long because I'm pretty sure I can talk you into being on my podcast. So I don't want to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin DJs. But uh, no, no, absolutely. Uh, if you want him on your podcast, we can we can make sure that happens. But we have reached the three hour and twelve minute mark, gentlemen. Yeah, we have gone a long time. He's got to let his dogs out and all those kind of things. Uh, final question, Nick. Uh, it's what we ask everyone that comes on. You're stuck on a desert island. One beer for the rest of your life. Man, there's nothing finer than a shiner. Okay. Oh, I'm not mad at that. No, that's a good answer. You're stuck I'm on a desert island. Not the one. If I go to, it is one of my favorite beers. If I go to a bar, I'll probably try something else first. But uh, that's my safe bet. That that's home base for me is Shiner Bog. Okay. So you you Texas guys would probably be surprised to notice uh, we have a lot of Shiner in Ohio. Really? really? Yeah, it's because they want to be like us, but we don't have to get into that. I might say Yingling is another great fucking beer. Only east of the Mississippi, though. I can drink drink some Yingling. I love that. That was uh, one of my favorite parts about being on the road was being over in Florida or Ohio and getting some Yingling. So uh, you're on a desert island. One, only one liquor for the rest of your life. Ooh. See, I'm at that point in life where I've had a lot of bad experiences recently. So, uh, uh, but I'm going to have to probably just go with uh, the old Captain Morgan. It's a safe bet. It's what I keep stocking at the house. It's what I'm drinking tonight. I think Kraken might be a little better, but I'll go with Captain Morgan. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, can't, I'll never go wrong with that. I can sit, sit there and sip it straight. I used to be a Jack Daniels guy until, uh, I turn 22. <laughs> yeah, you'll grow out of it. So, one shot or one mixed drink for the rest of your life. Have you guys ever had crown apple and ginger ale? Yes. 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 Probably that. Probably. Okay. So, shot. 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 Yeah. Uh, screwball and Bailey's, as like, but as a shot. 
All right. Screwball is a peanut butter whiskey. That might Good. be the best answer we've had for a shot. I think so. It oh, might be. A little bit of that mixed together. It kind of looks like cum, but it's okay. It tastes great. <laughs> it is good. That's, that's definitely the craziest answer we've had. <laughs> so, guys, it's Friday. Everyone's on self-quarantine still. Yes, be safe, everyone. Yeah, yes. definitely. Dad's a drink. We're never going to leave your side. Jeff and I are going to be here every week for you. We're going to continue bringing on guests. Nick, you are absolutely welcome anytime you want to come on this show and oh, just hang out, not answer questions, just hang out and be one of the dads that drinks. Uh, Sean, Jeff, Jeff with the Jeff Needs Help podcast. Uh, anything else you guys want to plug? Let's go around. Jeffro, you go first. Me, Jeffro. Um, yeah, that'd be you. Uh, I'm just really happy my friend Nick can come on. I'm very thankful for DJ because he really does make all this. I mean, the, the software and awesomeness of this podcast. And I think our viewers, I think Jeff Munt, a supporter. I really think, and I really think Sean's coming on. So I'm grateful, thankful. Whatever we're doing now is going to come about in six months. So. I'm very confident and very happy to be here and very happy to have this look forward to you every Friday night. Nick Johnson, what do you want to promote? Well, it's actually perfect time. We've got about five, or five seconds left uh, for me to say this, but I was saying that uh, I didn't think I'd be able to get 15 minutes of content out of myself, but you manage able to pull 316 just like off. <laughs> right? So, uh, right? Uh, I had a great time tonight. I hope I'm able to come back one day. I want to thank DJ. I want to thank Jeff. And uh, also thank you guys for watching as well as everyone else that I'm watching. I don't know. But uh, if you guys want to follow me, my, my socials or whatever is uh, Facebook, Nick Johnson, Instagram, and Twitter. It's uh, at Quadominate8, Q-U-A-D-O-M-I-N-A-T-E-8. And uh, yeah, it's been fun hanging out with you guys. If you ever want to talk wrestling or whatever else, if you want to talk about how the Arizona Cardinals are the best team in the NFL, I'm also down to do that. Uh, so just, here I am. It's great talking to y'all. All right. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. Sean, anything you want to promote? Hey, yeah, I do. I want to promote Jeffrey Hunts. Uh, Jeff needs help. Uh, we did, he actually asked me to be on a podcast. My wife and I were on a podcast with him and Lish last week, um, talking about chick flicks of all things. Um, but we had a good time, but, uh, Jeff Hunt is who got me to you guys and DJ and Jeffro, you guys are doing great. Um, actually this has been great as a Friday night, kind of, instead of going out, hitting the bars, having a good time, you guys are, um, kind of that. Um, uh, that freedom that I need, uh, my wife's in bed. She's kind of like, have fun on your podcast. I'm like, you know, I will, since we're talking about wrestling tonight, so, um, it's, it's been good. I appreciate you guys and, uh, looking forward to many more. Thank you very much. Jeff, anything you want to promote? Oh, uh, you know me. I don't like to say a lot. Yes, um, you do. Okay. You're right. Uh, no, <laughs> This, this was fun. Nick, seriously, I, I, uh, I, I adored the passion that come across. DJ is really good at getting that out of people. He did the same thing to me. Um, uh, DJ and Jeff, I, I appreciate all the help. I appreciate the content. I look forward to this Friday night also. So, uh, Nick, 
I want to have you on. I want to talk about uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. I will definitely do that. I want to talk about some. I want to talk about some physical stuff. So um, I'll, I will be in touch. Uh, Sean, I appreciate the shout out. And um, as usual, guys, man, that's great. The best. Great. Guys, thanks for joining us so much. We're here on Friday nights. We're here. We're never going to leave you. We'll be here every Friday night unless one of us can't schedule, and then we'll be here on a Saturday night. But we'll always be here at the end of your week, we promise. Thanks again to Nick Johnson. Follow him. We'll put all the links down below. He's an up-and-comer. He's going to be a WWE champion sooner or later. He's going to be the man. Sean, thanks for coming in and checking us out. Jeff Hunt, you're the best. You always check us out. Thanks for doing everything you do. The Jeff Needs Help Podcast. And to my co-host, the best guy that I could ever have with me doing this thing. He's who made this happen with Nick Johnson tonight. Jeff, I love you, buddy. You're the best. You're the best co-host. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one, guys. We'll see you next week. See you later. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, man.